0: In a world filled with sharks, bears, and killer bees, one man is brave enough to stay indoors to bring you the latest in gaming, movie, and pop culture news. That man is Tom Awesome, and this is the Outside is Overrated podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to Outside is Overrated, a podcast about gaming and nerd pop culture. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm your host, Tom Sedlachic, and today we are going to discuss an extraterrestrial onslaught as we discuss Aliens. We are going to talk about the franchise's place in the pantheon of sci-fi and then break down Alien Isolation and the board games Aliens, another glorious day in the core and an unlicensed but heavily Alien-inspired board game Nemesis. Joining me for the discussion today are Hobby Box, Joe Burns, Ayo. and the rogue hippo, Pat DeGeest
0: it's great to be here tom
1: welcome to the show guys Jeez, patrick you sound just like the guy who does all of the uh like intros for the show
0: i've admired his work for a long time (laughs) trying to emulate his voice right
1: (laughs) haven't we all patrick i'm really excited to have you on the big show not only are you one of my closest friends but you've been listening to oio since the beginning and you were one of our very first backers on patreon you should know the deal by now. What draws you to OIO? Say something nice about me besides my outstanding radio voice, my incredible wit, and my overall charm. And which one of you b- chose wit changed wit to width in the show
0: notes? <laughs> I didn't touch it. Uh, I like the program, Tom, because you know a lot of podcasts they'll target demographics, say, you know, men age 18 to 45 but I feel like you target me specifically. (laughs) You reference my name at least two or three times per podcast. I don't get that from Rogan or from Oprah Winfrey (laughs) or those true crime podcasts. So uh, that's why I'm a big fan of Outside is Overrated.
2: Pat, he doesn't just target you specifically. He targets orifices of yours specifically. (laughs) You know, that's
1: You're just your the host. level of detail that I like to uh, bring to the show. Well, Bernsey, you are a frequent co-host, and some would say you are the co-host of the show. What have you been up to since the last time we recorded?
2: Oh, pretty much same old, same old. I've uh, been playing Final Fantasy XIV, surprise, shock horror, I know. And also, I've just been watching a few different things, watched Mortal Kombat, watched... Invincible on Amazon Prime. Highly recommend that to anybody, uh, but do not watch it with your kids. <laughs> it might seem like it is a, it's is—it's an animated show, uh, but it is not kid-friendly.
1: <laughs> You've also been playing a crap load of Xenogears uh, on your stream lately. Like, I pop in from time to time. It's become my new thing when I'm feeding my baby from 8 until, like, 9.30-ish p.m. Like, I like to jump in and troll you and ask you, why you are playing that? game instead of your playstation 5
2: because it's 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 a crazy amount of fun and i don't know like decent amount of people have been watching so uh, we'll we'll ride it until the end here uh, we're getting like we're getting starting to get close to the end of the game so excited to see what's gonna happen because this is it's one of those games where i have no clue where it's gonna go next it just is surprise after surprise after surprise it takes dips and turns and all like 180s, 360s, 1080s, everything. It's crazy.
1: You've done at least 18 sessions of this game and that last couple sessions I saw you're at like 2-3 hours. Have you seriously put almost 50 hours into this game so far?
2: So the game time of the game says 52 hours. Stream time's probably been a little bit more than that because I don't know how much that calculates I had a couple of boss fights that uh, I basically had to replay like five times because I had forgotten to level up my gears, which are the mechs that they fight in for it. So I was way under, I was way underpowered for the battle and just couldn't do any damage. And so once I fixed that, then everything went a lot better. (laughs) But so, yeah, yeah, it's been 50, 55 hours.
1: I saw someone or something named Amaranth got kicked off of Twitch, so apparently there is a big gaping hole in the ear-licking ASMR community. Is that that a void you're looking to fill as the hobby box? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I record this with headphones in, dude. Leave that in there. (laughs) You
2: you asked for it. You asked for it. No, I asked for you to do
1: it on Twitch, for Christ's sakes. Not on my podcast. Oh my
0: god!
1: I didn't want to edit this much, and I've already sworn like seventeen times in the first five minutes.
0: Hey, you just it. said no swearing, but not no licking. <laughs> <laughs> that's on you. That's on you. You it's gotta be more clear rules. about what your you demands here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, well, that's a uh, I I really think you could fill that void in the community, Burns. As for me, I have a new baby. My new baby was born on May twenty fifth. Um, and so like it's all all baby time all the time for me now i have a super energetic toddler who just turned three um i have my new baby and boy it is hard to play things for a podcast record a podcast edit a podcast write a monthly column so uh, i feel like all the stuff that oio does you know just uh bear with me for the next few months we started doing the show monthly when my first daughter was six months old doing it with a baby is akin to madness
2: Yeah, I I honestly don't know how you do it, Tom, to be be frank.
1: (laughs) It was a little bit easier when we had our older daughter still in daycare for the first couple of weeks after the baby was born because then she'd be gone for three days a week and, like, Phoenix could handle the baby and I could work on OIO stuff or, like, paying bills or, like, I don't know, getting dentist appointments booked for all of us. And now it's just like, oh, God, all hands on deck all day long. It's just, oh, babies are so much work.
0: You just got to treat it like an RPG. You got to keep grinding out the levels, man, and it'll pay off in the end.
1: <laughs> ah, true that. Life the RPG. Before we jump into our Aliens discussions, we would like to thank our sponsor, Premier Health. Check out their website at PremierHealthMN.com. That's PremierHealthMN.com. You can follow all of us on social. Email the show at OverratedPod at Gmail.com. That is OverratedPod at Gmail.com. You can follow me at Tom OIO, on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Joey at HobbyboxBurns on Twitter and twitch.tv slash hobbyboxburns and follow my man Patrick at rogue underscore hippo on Twitter. Yeah, good stuff. Lots of people join after every single episode that we post. Lots lots of people.
0: <laughs> I look forward to the OIOM boom for my Twitter followers. Yeah.
1: Anyways. Social media is dumb. Let's talk about some really freaking old movies. The alien... they're, not, they're, not,
2: they're not too bad. Oh, sorry, sorry.
1: Go, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead.
2: <laughs> Goathead. Uh, they're not that old.
1: Yeah, they're just older than us. Except for Patrick. He's older than me. The Alien franchise started as a space horror franchise directed by Ridley Scott. A quick rundown of the film's. Alien debuted in 1979. The sequel, Aliens, came out in 1986. Alien 3, some would argue the high point of the films, in 1992. Resurrection came out in 1997, which was the first film that Joyce saw. So let's start off. Where did we each come into this franchise? Patrick, let's start with you. <laughs>
0: I honestly couldn't, uh, couldn't pinpoint it. I started with, of course, the first Alien. My mom was a huge fan. The, the franchise is her favorite series, so she got me started at a young age. Uh, I don't know when she felt it was appropriate for me to start watching them. Uh, I know I had seen the first two prior to going to Alien 3 because she took me to it in theaters in 1992 when I was 12 years old. And I've, uh, I've been having recurring alien nightmares ever since.
1: <laughs> we were talking about this so, as we were prepping for the show. Like, Tell us a little bit about these nightmares, Patrick. What happens?
0: <laughs> well, First of all, just to know how big a part of my life this is, uh, I imagine most people have recurring nightmares. I, I must have had at least one to 200 alien nightmares. Um, they, they started out where they were coming after me when I was young, and that's probably just standard childhood fear. As I grew older, the aliens were coming after the people that I cared about, and I was kind of a colonial marine type guy, and I was I was mowing them down. You know, I wasn't really too worried about myself, but I couldn't stop them from from killing my friends and family. <laughs> so,
2: so, are you are you more like Hicks, uh, where you're like? stoic and you're you're always like doing the right thing even though everybody's getting slaughtered or are you hudson you're just like oh man no man it's game over man <laughs> no
0: i was definitely a hicks kind of guy i oh, was God, holding God. my own you know i i i took charge when i needed to take charge but uh, ultimately the the aliens were just too much there were too many
1: so like in these dreams where all of your friends and family are getting massacred is it just like one person at a time or is it like me and chuck and do how all like just wandering down the halls of the nostramu just like following pat around <laughs> what could possibly go wrong
0: there's usually a few friends in each dream so it's usually me and maybe three or three or four friends or uh, family members so i don't know what a what a dream analysis would say about that um usually when it's uh things coming after you it's it's fear of uh, the unknown fear of failure, that type of thing. I I don't know what it means when you can't stop them from getting the people you care about.
1: I think it means that you hate everyone that you're close to in your life. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I think if Joseph would try to use his amazing Technicolor dream coat to figure it out, he'd just rip it off and burn it afterwards. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've, got to... I've grown to enjoy them, though. Like it's. Uh...
1: Oh, good, you love watching me get killed. That's a terrific <laughs> and reassuring thing. Thank you, Patrick. <laughs>
0: It's to the point where I I realize it's a dream and I love the challenge now.
1: <laughs> oh, Patrick, why are we friends? Also, <laughs> I've got to stop real quick for just one second. Patrick, can you see yourself on the screen? Like, we're recording this in Discord, so we have our cameras up, so we can see each other, so we can like give hand cues when we want to like communicate. Patrick, you look like what's his name from uh, Starcraft? Raynor? Jim Raynor?
0: <laughs> you look exactly oh, yeah, like myself. him. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't remember any Rainer quotes or so I'd try some right now.
1: Yeah. Bro Satan Yeah, plants of spider minds. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> aliens. I came into the franchise a lot later. I just watched the first couple of movies. Well, I watched Resurrection in high school and like I didn't know anything about the franchise and so maybe that's not a great jumping in point. It was uh not something that really stuck with me. I watched Alien and Aliens for the first time about five or six years ago. So uh, I'm relatively new to the franchise. I just rewatched Alien Alien getting ready for the show and I guess this is, a, this is a dated franchise. They could definitely use like an HD remake treatment. Bernsey, where did you come into Aliens?
2: Oh, yeah, I also came into it on the best movie in the franchise, Alien Resurrection, with Winona Ryder as the star. <laughs> uh, I, I ended up, watching it with friends who had all like they're all similar to pat or at least, maybe not the same level but they all really liked aliens the franchise and so really wanted to see it when it came out and i had no idea really what was going on other than winona Ryder was a terrible actress in it um and so 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 that was what i first started seeing it but otherwise i had seen like clips of it before uh like the burster scene i think Definitely was something that I had seen like in high school, early high school, because one thing that I would do in high school is whenever we'd have Jello for lunch, I would take uh, the cup of Jello and put it in my mouth, and then just sort of mix it around a little bit, and then I would put my hand into my shirt and then do like the chest burster and spit the Jello all out. Uh, and so, so that had a good impact on me. And uh, but then in college, I think it was, was was when I first watched Alien. I think for a film class. At that point,
1: let me let me go back here for just a second. and Let me uh, <laughs> recap my friends for the audience. We have Patrick, one of my closest friends in the world. He likes to watch me die in his dreams. We have Hobbybox Joe Burns, who used to reenact the chestburster scene in high school, spitting jello out of his mouth. I've also got a friend Tim, who like to, likes to take his glass eye out, put it in his mouth, and like put a carrot in his eye socket. Like, what is wrong with me that I'm surrounding myself with you people? And for the rest of you who are my friends, like what are your fatal flaws? Like what am I doing with my life?
0: I think you've assembled a great team here, man. We're kind of like a suicide squad maybe. We've got our flaws of Clorks, so We don't always work well together, but <laughs> it's it's the it's the wild card aspect that all of us possess that uh, make us so effective.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's either uh, it's either Suicide Squad or like the <laughs> Great Lakes Avengers.
2: <laughs> I like that. I like the Great Lakes Avengers.
1: Uh, I love that you did the chest bursting scene, Burns. You should uh you should do that at the Patreon party this year.
2: Well, yeah. If you have Jello, I could try to reprise it. Yeah, we 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 can try to make that happen. Uh, but yeah, so I saw Alien in college, and uh, really liked it. I, I think it is a really good, top-notch, like psychological horror movie in a sci-fi setting. Uh, and so it's a super successful movie that way. I rewatched it uh, for the podcast, and then watched Aliens for the first time for the podcast, and uh, found it really enjoyable. I actually think. I think Alien actually holds up fairly well the test of time. Granted, like, the alien, like, w- wiggling around looks a little weird uh, in the, the kind of, like, animatronic thing that they did with it. But I think Aliens, like, it was some of the sh- ship scenes. Like, it's an action movie, so, like, they really wanted some of those, uh, like, really good CG graphics that they have now would, would make, like, some of the ship flying scenes and stuff look a little less corny and a, and a little bit more cool. I think
1: alien holds up like narratively. All right. But like the mother brain sequence, like the little room they go into with just all the lights for the computer. Like, Oh man, that's a little rough.
2: I disagree that like, that makes me think of those freaking reality TV shows where people have to go in to the room and do like the, the confessional stuff or whatever, like on big brother and all that other crap. And, like, that is just just like that. I could see our stupid progression is like, oh, we're going to put our supercomputer and make it just like Big Brother because we are smart people. Take it over, world of global <laughs> galaxy.
1: Well, Patrick, it looks like you're the tiebreaker here. Like, Do these films still hold up today from, like, a visual standpoint?
0: <laughs> well, you know I'm going to say yes because I'm a huge Alien fan. I, I love the computers myself, uh, just the datedness about them. Uh, hardcore Alien fans are going to argue that it's just because they're in a like a stripped down space tugboat where the company is trying to keep it as cheap as possible. So they, they would argue that there is good computer technology in that era. It's just expensive, and they're, and the company doesn't want to spend a penny more than they have to. So they're using, you know, IBM 286s mm-hmm. in the Nostromo just to get it from point A to point B.
1: The, the thing that is lost in this being an audio podcast and not letting people be able to see the stream is like the sheer joy on your face as you're discussing alien fanboy theories about the computers in the <laughs> Nostromo. Like Patrick, we've been friends for a long time. I rarely see you smile like this, dude. <laughs> well,
0: it's, I spend a lot of time on those fanboy forums but it's kind of true, you know. If you think about a, a, a current era tugboat, and compare that to it, Tiger Woods' yacht, you know.
1: I think Tiger Woods lost the yacht in the divorce, dude.
0: <laughs> he probably did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Elon Elon Musk's yacht. Yeah. You know, they're both they're both from the same era. They're just completely different, you know, technology wise, comfort wise, that sort of thing. And these guys are flying in the tugboat of space.
2: Tesla, though, is definitely Wayland yutani right? <laughs> like, that's what it becomes? That's yeah. the that's a result of SpaceX. We know
0: it now. <laughs> I think we've got a few companies that are in the running for the Wayland yutani of the future.
1: <laughs> well, Patrick, I know this is one of your favorite franchises. Perhaps your favorite franchise. What makes Alien stand out to you?
0: For me, it just hits the the sweet spot, kind of the perfect Venn diagram of a lot of my favorite things. Sci-fi is just my favorite genre by far. Horror is up there. I really like horror movies. Uh, one that's, I don't know if it's a genre, but I really like survival stories. <laughs> real life or fictional. Uh, shows like I shouldn't be alive. I just always love to watch and kind of put myself in that situation and you know wonder if I'd be smart enough or strong enough to survive.
1: I remember uh, once, it, it was either end of high school or really early in college. Like you, your mom said to you, Patrick, I don't like it when you watch the Discovery Channel because you get all these wild ideas. Because like <laughs> yes, you're talking yeah. about building a sailboat out of reeds and trying to sail across the ocean in it.
0: Yeah, because that's what all those stories are. You know, uh, their sailboat capsizes and they have to make a raft out of plastic bottles and a sail out of a tarp and get through shark-infested waters to try to reach Panama. And I always thought, man, I'd, I'd like to know if I am up for that challenge or not.
2: I, I I know 100% why you lived on a boat in Florida for five years now.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, Just hoping this would happen.
1: <laughs> and I think this is a core fundamental difference between us. Like, you want to know if you would survive in shark-infested waters. I am fairly certain that I would not survive in bear infested woods so i just avoid those situations like tom tom versus beast the beast is always going to win and i'm okay with that i will avoid places where the beast live i will not walk where bears walk i will not swim where sharks are swimming i will not roam the forest where tigers hunt
0: but <laughs> you don't know till you try man
1: oh i'm pretty sure <laughs> i'm pretty and confident for
2: me for me, it's the opposite. I am worried about the beast getting unleashed within myself and not being able to ever unsee that. And so, I avoid those situations so that I don't go berserk and then, you know, can't put, you know, the the the, the cat back in the cradle, so to speak.
0: Yeah, you develop a drinking problem. You go live out in the wilderness to avoid unleashing your your wrath on mankind. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's, it's it's a tale as old as time.
1: Yeah, you barf into cups at Perkins, you know. <laughs> you, you gotta watch that beast, dude.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean getting back getting back to the original question <laughs> The uh, like I said, Alien is a nice blend of those because horror movies you can often insert yourself into. Uh, sci-fi movies are usually a lot more difficult you know the technology is just beyond anything we have nobody has the force that kind of thing but but especially alien and even really aliens they're really just your average everyday people you know they're they're working class people with no special technology really no no special abilities and they have to figure out how they're going to handle this xenomorph that gets on their ship
1: and speaking of the ship, I thought the Nostromo was a great setting for a horror film. That's the thing that really grabbed me in uh, in Alien. I love the Nostromo because like you're cut off from literally everything. You have the tools at your immediate disposal and this like unspeakable horror ravaging the crew. And I thought that was what stood out to me rewatching these films. Burnsy, what uh what stands out to you about the franchise?
2: I think one of the more interesting things about Alien as a franchise is how each movie tends to be different from the others, especially the first couple and, well, Alien Resurrection, I guess, because Alien itself is really just a psychological sort of sci-fi horror thriller, and you're kind of just wondering how can anybody get out of this situation and is the situation ever going to actually end and then like aliens is much more i mean there's still that that sort of horror sort of thriller aspect to it but it's much more action driven and action fueled and there's a lot there's a lot more character there just kind of in general it, it, it's it's much more like it, it's much more like predator than Alien was, which was much more like, say, two thousand one, a space odyssey, to some extent, you know. So it's just, it's just a completely kind of different genre of film. Now, I haven't seen Alien three, where, you know, I guess they couldn't really say aliens er or Aliens is. so they had to just go back to Alien three. So I don't know if that keeps happening that way, uh, or or into the you know later movies that are part of the canon not named alien but still part of the same sort of thing i mean do they all kind of sort of fall into line with like what aliens was or do they each keep trying to be its own little take on the genre
1: patrick i'm going to look to you to answer this but just a quick point of clarification i think joey is referring to prometheus and alien covenant as other films the other films kind of set in the same universe patrick do they all tie together
0: yeah, they all tie together. They all have uh, different styles. Alien Three probably more closely resembles the uh, the original Alien. Um, it's they're trapped. They're trapped on a planet. Uh, they they don't have a lot of weaponry at their disposal. They have to survive against one alien. It's it's a I don't want to give away too much, <laughs> even though it's a really old movie from uh, I think '92. But they're on a prison planet, so they're a bunch of prisoners. With uh, who are not allowed to have weapons in this old, dilapidated prison, and uh, Alien gets on board there. The two prequels, Prometheus and Alien Covenant. Again, I don't want to give a ton away, but uh, Prometheus doesn't even really feature an alien. It's it's really a true pre- prequel, and it's really just a setup. But uh, Alien Covenant, uh, I enjoyed. It's kind of controversial, but I like that when it kind of gets back to. Uh to a little bit of a combination between, I would say, alien and Aliens.
1: One of the main figures in all of the alien films is Ripley, played by Sigourney Weaver. She's an iconic character in sci-fi. What makes her an interesting protagonist? Joey, we'll start with you on this one.
2: So I think she really comes into her own as a protagonist, much more so in aliens than in alien. She, oh, go ahead.
1: I'd just count that really quickly by saying she's the only one that survived Alien. Spoiler alert for a 40-year-old movie.
2: <laughs> right, right. But I think, like, you you kind of made the, the point in the show notes. I didn't want to steal it. But the only reason she's the protagonist in the first Alien was because she survived. I, I, I don't necessarily know that she really took the initiative. I mean, when it came down to it and she had to to survive she was able to successfully get rid of the alien off of the what shuttle or whatever she's on at the end of the movie so I mean yes she was able to accomplish that but it was really in aliens is where you see her kind of take control take charge she's calling the shots when the people that are supposed to be calling the shots can't do it and and so that's when she really starts to show I know the most about these things I know what we should be doing at the right time everybody needs to listen to me. She's, she's the one that's yelling at Hudson to calm the F down. She's the one that's saying, okay, we need to do this, do this, do this. And so that's when she really starts to take control of being like the figurehead of the franchise and is the sort of the, the actual like protagonist
0: of the story.
1: And Patrick, what makes her stand out to you?
0: Yeah, I agree a lot with what Joey said. Um, just just the era in which she was a, a female heroine, I don't know that she was the first, but she's she's got to be one of the earliest, especially in a in a series that grew to this size um also like Joey said, kind of the first one she uh yeah go ahead
1: well, I think the most obvious rival would be Princess Leia and like what did she accomplish in Star Wars like she stood up to the empire and that's that's great, but she didn't have an alien trying to rip her face off. <laughs>
0: Right. And again, she, you know, she waited around. Well, I wouldn't say waited around, but she had to be rescued by the boys, you know, and and she was an attractive love interest. And uh, I guess she did, she did start to take charge by the second movie as well. So I can see a lot of parallels between the two.
2: And, and, you know, think Ripley ever, Mary Poppins through the space without having to breathe (laughs) uh, in order to miraculously still live. Um, and then ironically have the actress die uh, And so I, I don't think You know so that, that that's a difference For Leia too you know
1: We will not speak of that uh, That scene again on this show <laughs> You can put it right up there with the Hobbit movies Just uh, put it in a little box And then dump a bunch of kerosene On that box and just light it on fire Never happened It's gone
0: Thing I'd add is uh, kind of like I mentioned earlier. She's in Alien. She's just your average working class person. Again, rose to the occasion. You know, didn't lose her cool. Kind of like uh, Lambert did. Uh, really panicking. She, she had plans. You know, she was decisive, especially when uh, I think she's third in command. You know, once it's up to her, she doesn't hesitate. She knows the plan. That continues even more so, like Joey mentioned in Aliens. You know, she's not waiting around for, for the Marines to to make the decisions. Once she sees Gorman's incompetent, she just grabs control of that APC and is rushing down the hallway at what is really her worst nightmare, you know, a, a hive of aliens, which she wants to avoid avoid at all cost, but you know, she's not gonna let that stop her when when that's not the right thing to do.
1: She's got some big stones, that's for sure. Thinking about aliens as a franchise, where does it rank among other sci-fi franchises for you? Patrick, I think uh I think I already alluded to this, but where does it stand for you?
0: No spoiler here. It's my favorite sci-fi franchise.
1: Your favorite sci-fi franchise above yes. Star Wars.
0: I know that's a big statement, but if if you look at the hits and misses of the entire Star Wars saga, if you took like an average I feel like Aliens would average out higher than Star Wars would. All right, what I think if, the misses are way bigger in Star Wars.
1: What if you just cut the prequel trilogy?
0: <laughs> well, then, <laughs> then maybe Star Wars wins, but you can't just <laughs> cut the worst ones.
1: <laughs> all right. Cut the prequel trilogy, cut Aliens 3. Then where are we at?
0: <laughs> like, I enjoy all the Aliens. I think Resurrection is my least favorite. I'd give that a 6 out of 10. I think all, you know, all the prequels are below a five. Yeah. The, the three, uh, subsequent ones, you know, episode seven, eight, nine, they're, they're they might be around a six on average. So I, I, I still am going to stick with my argument that aliens on average is a better franchise than star Wars.
1: Huh? That's a, that's a strong, strong stance, my friend. And I was just thinking of the review you wrote for, uh, it wasn't the rise of Skywalker. What was the second one in the newest trilogy? Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. Man, I was going to say, I was going to write a review for that, and it was going to literally be, this movie is awesome. Go see this movie. And you just eviscerated it.
0: I think I gave it a five.
1: <laughs> you can check out Patrick's full review on OutsideIsOverrated.com. Joey, turning to you, where does... Oh, sorry, Patrick, did I cut you off?
0: <laughs> no, you. Can go. I was just going to say, I think they're real similar, honestly. Aliens, I believe, has two great movies. And many good movies, and just not a lot of terrible ones. I think Star Wars has you know, maybe three great movies, and maybe three more good movies, and three terrible movies. So that you know, it's really just Star Wars without the terrible movies, in my opinion.
2: Well, hey, Disney has control of Alien now, so <laughs> we'll the, see. Fa- the terrible movies are coming. <laughs>
0: You're gonna get your wish, Pat.
1: <laughs> An Alien movie every single year, dude. <laughs>
0: Just, <laughs> cute aliens that you can sell plush toys to children,
1: and just wait for the Gorman show on Disney Plus, dude.
0: <laughs>
2: yes, it'll it'll be great. It'll, will it be animated? Probably. Uh, sure.
1: Lit. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Bernsey, where does Aliens rank among other sci-fi franchises for you?
2: So it's 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 hard for me to really rank it, just because I've gotten into the series kind of piecemeal over the years. And haven't really seen everything in the series, you know, yet.
1: Take a stand.
2: I'm working up to it. I'm working up to it. Uh, I would put. I mean, I would still put Star Wars over it. I would still put Star Trek over it. Uh, I'm trying to think of other like sci-fi properties that I. I don't know. I though those are the big two, and I think they would be above Alien for me. Uh, but they're very different things also I think so it it is it's it is hard to compare it's hard to compare things like that
1: true i uh, I tend to like a bit more whimsy in my space adventures my space stories so for me alien's a little bit lower lower on the list for me uh, I think of things like farscape like firefly like I like more adventure and a little more humor and just a lighter tone like I appreciate Alien, especially as a horror film in space, but Patrick, it looks like you have a rebuttal.
0: (laughs) I'm I'm not going to tear you a new one, by golly, but, (laughs) you know, I was with you for a time. I really preferred Star Wars for a long time, and uh, I think as it has come up, at least on Unfiltered, as I've grown more cynical in life, I've learned to appreciate Alien, and it's an aspect we haven't touched on yet, but the... The, the aspect of the company and just the nice dynamic of the alien contrasted with the greed of uh, of Wayland Utani. And you know, which is worse. this is This is an awful unknown creature from your nightmares versus just people who are willing to, to kill each other for money. And we, meant, we mentioned Elon Musk earlier. Come on, you don't think if Elon Musk could get exclusive rights to alien technology, and he just <laughs> had to let a few of his employees go, he wouldn't do it?
1: <laughs> I'd advise you not to work for Elon Musk if you can avoid it.
0: <laughs> I'm sure he listens to the podcast. He can come on. He can he can challenge my claims if he wants to. Uh, he's probably he's probably too cowardly. That's my guess.
1: Yeah, probably too cowardly. Like. Honestly, if he was going to deal with this podcast, like he wouldn't come on to defend his views. Like he just hired people to like erase your existence from all <laughs> of history, Patrick.
0: Well, like I said earlier, I like the realism. Like if you looked at your favorite franchises and you thought which sci-fi franchise was most likely to to come true in the future, Firefly. I, think A- <laughs> 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 it, I mean, <laughs> Star Trek. It won't be Star Trek. It won't be Star Wars.
1: What? Star Trek couldn't happen because diverse races couldn't come together, Patrick?
0: <laughs> no. I, I, I don't think there's I have, that many alien species out there.
2: Patrick, I, I, I have it on good authority that Gene Roddenberry is a time traveler, and this really is just a view of our future.
1: There's infinite galaxies in space, Patrick. There's, like, no end to space. Like, you don't think there's that many races out there? Like, there's probably You're, billions of other things out there somewhere
0: the correct answer is alien (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe terminator it's going to be alien or terminator those are your top two for which sci-fi franchises are most likely to occur in our future
1: (laughs) well we had some uh we had a big discussion about this in our discord community and i just wanted to pull some of those thoughts out here before we give our final takeaways on alien the film franchise Mike in Discord said the first two movies were great. Pretty much everything afterwards has been some level of trash. Take that, Patrick. (laughs) The first two are not only both great movies, but pull off the rare feat of a significant change between original and sequel in tone, feel, and scope without a drop in quality. But they worked because they didn't try too hard to provide explanations or lore about the aliens. All the later attempts to do that have failed, in his opinion. It's pretty low on the chart for... Him in the scope of overall sci fi because of those attempts to build Lauren. Patrick, would you like to rebut that before I move on to the next one? Uh,
0: I agree with most of the positive points. Um, <laughs> all the negative points are wrong. I don't know if we have time to go into why.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Corey noted personally, I've been quite pleased with the franchise. Movies were decent for their time frame. Video games have been pretty good. He remembers Aliens Colonial Marines for Xbox 360 was one of his go-to games. LOL. Even the TV series wasn't that bad. The only thing that he didn't like about the franchise was when the Alien Encounters ride at Disney was replaced with Stitch. Oof. And when uh, when I pulled on the thread about Colonial Marines a little bit, he said, It wasn't the greatest game by all means. But uh, it was more of a nostalgic thing for him. Growing up, watching the franchise, he had always had the desire to go into combat with these acid, drooling, tongue-protruding extraterrestrials. And Colonial Marines, being a first-person shooter, kind of made that dream come to life. He also said Aliens was his number three franchise behind Star Wars and Star Trek. Patrick, you've known Corey since he was a little itty-bitty boy. Would you like to uh, crush his thoughts and dreams?
0: I'm not gonna completely, you know, trash people who would pick Star Wars or Star Trek. I get that they're huge franchises, and I'll even see that they're bigger than Alien. Um, even Colonial Marines, that's a that's a solid game. If you're an aliens fan, you're gonna like that one a lot more. I personally prefer Alien to Aliens, which is uh why I liked Alien Isolation, which I think we're going to cover later on, so I I won't get into that now.
1: Oh, we're going to get so deep into that game. Burns. do you have any rebuttals to these yet, or should I keep rolling? Just keep rolling. All right, Brian notes that one and two were benchmark sci-fi films. That is a brutally hard legacy to live up to. There's a reason we have yet to see Half-Life 3. That said, he thinks Prometheus and Covenant are enjoyable for the fact that they are exploring the original engineers and why these aliens were created in the first place. The engineers, he thinks, are fascinating and he would like to find out more about them. So he kind of goes against Mike's points that uh, the lore is unimportant and should have been avoided at all costs. And then finally, Casey said, Aliens is worse than Star Wars and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, better than Star Trek, The Matrix, Planet of the Apes, X-Files, Doctor Who, and Firefly. I mean, for me, X-Files is probably my favorite sci-fi of all, so Casey, you're wrong.
0: I have a side question for you guys. For whatever reason, I just compartmentalize comic books into their own genre. Do you include the MCU into sci-fi or not? I see that, that it, it jumped out to me as, like,
2: I don't, it, it seems like a separate thing. Uh, like superhero is its own genre aside from sci-fi and fantasy, I would say.
1: Yeah, I'm totally with you guys. So you heard it here first on Outside is Overrated. Superhero films are their own genre. They are not a part of sci-fi. So, Casey, you know you are wrong there too, dude.
0: (laughs) Update Netflix and Amazon Prime accordingly.
1: Yes, thank you. So thank you to everyone who provided feedback and joined in on the Discord discussion. That was a lot of fun. Final takeaways on the films before we move on to uh, our next segment. I'll start here. I think the movies could use an HD remake. Like, I think it would be cool if they were shot using new technology with a new view of what futuristic tugboats could look like. Joey, <laughs> your final thoughts and takeaways. Uh,
2: i mean, I'm interested in watching the rest of the movies now. I mean, my, my, my curiosity has been peaked. And so I'm really, I'm really interested to see what all happens with the other movies that are in the franchise and what they might do with it moving forward. I mean, Disney doesn't buy things to not exploit them ad nauseum. And so they're going to put out new alien movies. It's just whether they do what Tom wants and kind of do a reboot first and then move forward or try to interweave everything as sort of a continuing process into the future. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to say, and, and, and maybe this is getting away from a final takeaway is the like exos, the exosuit fight at the end of aliens how did they how did they film that? Like did they actually have like an exosuit that they created?
0: Because it looked like really good.
1: I have no idea. It does look
0: it does look good, and I, I can't answer that one either. I uh, I haven't watched any behind the scenes or anything on aliens, so
1: But you're on the fanboy sites like Patrick, I brought you in to be <laughs> an expert here. Like so far you're a tremendous disappointment. You're all like aliens is the best, everyone else is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I nailed I, your voice too. <laughs>
0: I like to not look behind the curtain and on that type of thing. I like to uh keep you know keep it as realistic in my mind as possible.
1: Fair enough. Well uh your final thoughts and takeaways on the films, Patrick? The last chance you'll ever have to speak about aliens is right here, dude. Take a definitive <laughs> stand on the greatest franchise <laughs> of all time.
0: An alien remake is just such a Like, how can I not swear in this scenario?
1: (laughs) Oh, you can swear. I've dropped plenty. I'm going to (laughs) be bleeping everything.
0: Such a willy-nilly absurd idea. Like, I would just rather see any new content, you know, whatsoever. Expand things, you know, do prequels, do some offshoots, do anything. But, uh, you know, I I don't – it's my favorite movie probably of all time. So I would just – I can't imagine a remake being better.
1: Well, we stand divided, my friend. <laughs> Let's just say you're wrong and move on.
0: Well, like what if what if they did, you know, we're going to reshoot Star Wars episode 4 and just, you know, do it with some modern technology. Don't you think that would be a disaster?
1: I think that the lightsaber fight between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader would look a lot better than in the original.
2: They retouched that though, so yeah, but I could only I could only imagine what kind of crap tax te- ca- uh, casting they would have for that.
1: <laughs> Maybe Hayden Christensen could be old men now. Maybe. Yeah, so uh, that's a terrible idea, Patrick. And I'm still right. <laughs> <laughs> Aliens, if you haven't watched them by now, you probably never will. So I don't know why we just spent 45 minutes talking about them.
2: <laughs> well, maybe this will get them to watch it now, and then
0: they can reach out to Pat and say he was right. Yeah. Oddly enough, they're they're hard to watch. Like, they're not on Disney+. Plus. They're, they're a couple on Prime. I think a, a, the rest are on HBO Max or something. So I don't know what, what the deal is with that, but it'd be nice if you could get them all under one, uh, under one place
2: a quick 15 second review of watching movies with IMDB TV on Amazon Prime. the commercials happen at the worst possible spots and they are three times as loud as the rest of the movie <laughs> and some of they range from 140 seconds to 220 seconds long uh, it's 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 kind of absurd but hey you can watch them for free.
0: Yeah, when they cut when they cut from the cha- a cane chest bursting scene to uh, birth control <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a not so subtle hint <laughs>
1: <laughs> true enough I just bought them all on disk like I got uh like Amazon deal of the day one day it was the alien collection I'm like oh cool all right got the alien movies woo woo Ooh. yeah Ooh. Moving from Aliens to our next segment, Tom Awesome's Top 5. For the Top 5 today, Pat's going to talk about the Top 5 Androids across all of media.
0: It's time now for... The Final Countdown! Tom Awesome's Top 5 Countdown. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1...
1: Patrick, take it away.
0: All right, let's do this. Um, this was harder than I thought it would be. When you look at androids, it's kind of a gray area as to what classifies as an android and what doesn't. I think so a human being
1: in... with like computers in them.
0: Well, yeah. And, and in honor of aliens, I went with kind of a a fleshy android that you know appears human, and uh, and must have working genitalia. <laughs>
2: Is that a thing? Like, do we know that that's a thing with the androids in in, in Aliens?
0: Yeah, in, in most cases, it's covered. <laughs> so with that in mind, here we go. Number five. And with, with all those qualifiers, it actually went from too easy to find androids to too hard. So number five, five I went with Vision from the MCU.
1: Interesting. Now, I... Um... I never really glommed on Vision until WandaVision. Like, I always thought, never had an interest in him in the comics. I thought he was a huge dork in the MCU. And, like, it wasn't until WandaVision that I finally thought that this character had any interesting traits at all.
0: I'm kind of with you. I, I've only seen a few episodes of WandaVision, but I didn't like him in uh, most of the, you know, the, the cinematic movies. But that started to change in WandaVision. So he, he suddenly became interesting to me as well.
1: Now you, you hit it out of the park with number five. I can't wait to see what's next. <laughs> All right,
0: number four. As the fanboy, I went with Ash from the original Alien movie.
1: Interesting. And I I hadn't watched the movie in so long. Like when I rewatched, it, I'm like, oh, that's Bilbo Baggins. Cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, isn't it?
1: <laughs> it's old. I, I'm Bilbo. Curious
0: for, I'm curious for you guys, and and maybe you can't remember either because I can't. But I I can't remember. Being fooled by the big ash reveal or not, did you guys see that coming? That guy, or that he was an android?
1: I didn't see that he was an android. Like, I thought they were all humans on the ship. So, even though I just came into the franchise five, six years ago, like, I was surprised that he was an android. I was not surprised that he was the bad guy because, like, you could tell right away from that first interaction where he lets the alien on the ship.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
2: And I don't remember the first time I watched it, uh, but I remember this time watching it, I was like, okay, everybody else is like no shirt on or not much, and he instantly has like the flight jacket shirt on, yeah. and, and and so that like that made him stand out to me on my second watch through. Uh, and I re- I I vaguely remembered there was an android, but uh, and then yeah, then I remembered the scene when I saw it, uh, and how just like. How, how crazily good that, it, like, his severed android head as it's hanging off his shoulder looks.
0: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I love, it's it's the big, I guess, almost double reveal, you know. He goes from, uh, from Ripley in the talking to Mother, you know, realizing that uh, Ash has been working to protect the alien. So suddenly he's the bad guy. And then moments later, you realize he's also an android when, uh, you know, Parker busts his head off. And then even on top of that just the like the white milky stuff that shoots out of his neck I think still hasn't been topped as a way to make androids like disgusting and creepy you know sparks sparks aren't scary they, and everybody for whatever reason still goes with sparks that milky stuff is just gross and terrifying to me
1: Yeah I'm with you dude that is that is some nasty stuff
2: Oh I really wanted to see his face do the the, like the really angry Bilbo contortion when he like turned full evil, <laughs> like he does, like he does in, uh, the fellowship of the ring. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when he, when he's lunging for the ring.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he
0: does. He did do one of my pet peeves when he's going after Ripley, which is when the bad guy wants to kill you and just picks you up and throws you across the room <laughs> instead of achieving its goal right there. Which is always a pet peeve of mine, but uh, I'm willing to look past that. And then, what's when he, what's the deal when he rolls up the newspaper or the magazine, <laughs> and tries to somehow kill her with what is basically a straw that you can still breathe <laughs> through?
2: I didn't get that either.
0: So there, there, there are some flaws, but I still love that scene.
2: Still better than Vision, apparently.
0: Yes. Uh... <laughs> All right, moving on to number three. Roy Batty. Do you guys even know who that is? I have no clue. Roy Batty from Blade Runner. I was going to guess that. Yeah, I've Which never seen Blade Runner. Seen.
1: Yeah. Hey, hey, Casey. Casey, you're listening right now, right? Casey, I've never seen Blade Runner. And you know what? I'm never going to. F*** you, Casey.
0: It's so, so sad because I can't even then get into why I, I love him. But... Uh, <sighs> Just the, the the final scene of Blade Runner where the tears and rain speech oh, is just so good. So here's what Blade Runner is, guys. It's a sci-fi, you know, dystopic sci-fi feature. Uh, they're called replicants in that instead of androids, but it's essentially the same thing. And they're used as slave labor. And a group of, I think, four of them escape. And uh, Harrison Ford is tasked with essentially hunting them down and destroying them. He Harrison Ford is the Blade Runner. That's his job. Except they look human, you know, so there, there's no way to find out. You know, it's hard to track them down. And it's just a fantastic movie. Both of you guys should watch it. It asks a lot of questions, philosophical stuff about, you know, what makes humans human. These are just, you know, are these living creatures just fighting to survive? Uh, that type of thing. And the, the I... final confrontation, go ahead.
2: No, I've wanted to watch it. It's just there's like five versions of the original movie and I don't know which one I'm supposed to watch. Do I watch the like the the Ridley Scott cut, the director's cut, the original theatrical version, the enhanced theatrical? Like it's like there's there's more versions of that than there are movies in the Aliens franchise. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know if this will remove my cred, but I have I've only seen the original theatrical cut. Okay. And I, I think that one's great. And I've heard the other ones are even better, but I, so I don't think you can go wrong with any of them.
1: And I like not seeing it as a way to troll Casey. Like, there are a number of <laughs> iconic films that I haven't seen, and, you know, that one just gets Casey's goat so bad.
0: Uh, moving on to number two on Top 5 Androids, Lieutenant Commander Data, Star Trek The Next Generation. You guys, I hope, know who that is.
1: Yeah, I'm aware of them. For uh, some reason, in high school, I had some friends who thought that I looked like Data, and so they would like try to talk in computer voices at me, and like I just didn't understand. And like, is that how they talk in Star Trek? And they're like, I don't know, I don't watch the show, but you look like that f- that guy. So, so here's my reference point to Data.
0: <laughs> Traumatic.
1: <laughs> I don't see
0: the resemblance. If that helps.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, that was also 20 years ago. Uh, I don't know. Did Data not have gray hair? Like, that would distinguish me now. He Didn't
0: have gray hair.
2: No, yeah. he had he had he had like brownish red hair. Yeah, kinda.
1: with the visor, he kind of looked like a vampire, didn't he?
2: Yeah, he had pale pale skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Anyways, why are we talking style about style pale skin? <laughs> why are we talking about Data, Patrick? What sets him apart?
0: Well, <laughs> first, he had some really big shoes to fill. He essentially was uh, was given the Spock role on the ship kind of the logical guy, which can't be easy to do. You know, he's he's maybe um, people's most favorite character in the original Star Trek series. And uh, and fans just loved him. I loved him. He had a lot of great episodes. Again, kind of going back to uh, my third guy from Blade Runner, a lot of episodes focusing on, you know, what it means to be alive, uh, what it means to be a human. That's often his, his goal in these missions. They have a great one where, you know, Picard and Riker essentially go to court to argue whether data should have autonomy or he's just an object for for starfleet to kind of reverse engineer to build more datas so a lot of good themes like that which is is honestly a good move by for starfleet because data is also very overpowered (laughs) you know he works a million times faster than any human he solves just crisis after crisis he can just, you know, re-angle the deflector dish with the reverse tachyon pulses, and in, in a split second, just by, you know, <laughs> typing on the computer real quick, and he's almost a, uh, what's the name of that in theater or in film, a MacGuffin? Is that what it is? Yeah. Just an, just an object that can, uh, something that can get you out of any situation, and <laughs> is maybe a little well, too easy to do that. So,
2: so yeah, the the MacGuffin is the MacGuffin is like the thing that everybody's going for asx machina is like the hand of god that like it's just basically our our easy way to write ourselves out of any situation
0: that was the one i was thinking of yes that's 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 data which some might see as a negative but uh i i grew to love data i've watched the next generation you know when it came out and and two times start to finish since so so i'm a big fan of that series
1: i've never seen an episode of next gen (laughs) what (laughs) 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 really yeah not an episode i saw the original crappy star trek movies i saw um i don't know how many episodes of the original star trek but enough of the tv show to be familiar with it i'm a big fan of the rebooted movies but i've uh oh i got uh, a couple episodes of voyager because phoenix likes that but not a single episode of next gen ever
0: wow she hasn't had you watch those is phoenix a fan of next gen her favorite is actually Voyager. She likes next gen. She thinks it's okay.
1: fine, but uh, something about Voyager really drew her in. Oh, and what's the new one? Uh, discovery. I watched the first season yeah. of discovery. That was awesome.
2: The next generation was like, it's that's like super nostalgic for me because that was like in syndication when I was at that age where like space travel was the awesomest thing ever. And so I would watch that basically nonstop all summer it was on it like two times during the day, and I would yep. watch it at both those times all the time.
1: The age when space travels the most awesome. So like six,
2: six to <laughs> twelve. Yeah, six to twelve.
1: I thought baseball was the most awesome then. Baseball.
2: I thought baseball. I mean, I enjoyed baseball. I remember, I remember listening to the Twins World Series in ninety one. But uh, but uh, I watched Star Trek too. You can do more than one thing, Tom.
1: Not if you want to do it well, Burns. And that's why I only do one podcast every single month. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we do so well at them, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, Data sounds pretty cool. Who are your honorable mentions, Patrick?
0: Actually, I didn't didn't have any honorable mentions. I just went top five. Do you guys have any that, that without uh, revealing number one, that you think I may have missed?
1: I don't know. You didn't write down number one, so I've...
0: It's all the in the dark.
1: Well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's
0: just start we'll the the androids
1: one. we know to try to ruin this for Patrick.
0: Then you can tell me if I botched this list. Number one, the rest of the list I kind of went fanboy. They're They're my personal preferences. Number one, I just went by probably global recognition of a fleshy android with functional genitalia. And that would be the T800, better known as the Terminator.
1: Now, 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 Patrick, 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 you chose the Terminator as the top android across all media. Now you've lost your credibility because the Terminator is a f- robot, dude. He is a f- robot he's not an android he is a robot he's made of some like gelatinous metal from the future that can be made to look like humans but he is a robot down to his uh, very core this list has been invalidated
0: that's why i specified (laughs) fleshy humanoid with genitalia
1: he's not (laughs) fleshy he's made of metal
0: (laughs) but he's got this living tissue outside
1: living tissue it gets blown to bits and like melted and frozen and then broken like no no, he's a robot well, sure,
0: dude. Sure, but uh, that stuff happens to Data. Is yeah, and, like... and you've, seen, you've seen Terminator
2: 3. Like The female Terminator definitely has some fleshy bits.
0: <laughs> yes. I don't recall Terminator 3. Here's That's another... my first honorable mention.
1: <laughs> Here's another <laughs> iconic movie that I've never seen. I've never seen the original Terminator.
2: Oh, Tim. You yeah. there... yeah, but it's been a long time.
1: Yeah, I've seen, like, the opening scene is Arnold naked, right? And, like, he beats up some dudes and take the, takes their clothes. Or is that T2?
0: No, that's the opening scene of Terminator. Yeah, yeah that's all I've and seen then, of
1: Terminator. I've seen T2 probably a dozen times in my life. Very fond of that film, but never saw the first one.
0: And then the, uh, the drunken bar lady checks out his genitalia. That's how he made the list, because of that scene.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I mean, I'm taking a hard line here. He's, he's a robot, dude. Not an android. Full-on robot.
0: That's like saying well, Bender's
1: s- an android because he drinks beer. Now he's a <laughs> robot, dude.
0: Now you see my dilemma because all the Star Wars ones are called droids, which has to be short for android. But then w- they're just robots, really, right? So, so I had to make some sort of qualifiers, and that's what I went with.
1: Well, in your defense, I don't think I could name another android, so... I guess, sure, but still, (laughs) he's a robot. Bernsy.
2: I'm surprised that you don't have Bishop from Aliens on there. I I would put him on the list before Ash uh, easily because he's actually, I don't know, a better android (laughs) and a better character (laughs) overall.
1: He was the one in Aliens?
2: Yeah, yeah, he was the one in Aliens, yep.
1: What about uh, Magneto in whichever movie he was in? uh, Was it Prometheus?
0: <laughs> David, yeah, I mean, actually, yeah, he, he he's in uh, he's David in Prometheus, and he's dual cast as both David and Walter, dueling banjos of androids in uh, Alien Covenant. But dueling you know... androids, yeah, dueling banjos. <laughs> I didn't want to go full on fanboy and just pick three androids from <laughs> Alien movies. I even I even thought of Bishop, you know, because he he helped redeem androids androids in the eyes of Ripley, you know, by helping the whole team, but uh, it was just that one iconic milk bursting scene from from the first alien that is really why Ash sticks out in my mind.
1: And Burnsy, thinking of your love of Detroit become human, there must be an android from that game that you think would be a better fit on this list. I mean, certainly better uh. than the robot
2: That is true. Like, I've been racking my brain forever trying to think of any androids uh, in media. But yeah, Detroit Become Human, Connor, the detective uh, android in Detroit Become Human, I think is awesome Uh, and and is a character that develops a lot. And it's all about his relationship with the other detective who kind of hates androids and how you as the player either build that together or spread that more apart. Uh, I think that's yeah, I think that would be an interesting, honorable mention for sure.
1: well, Patrick, I applaud the effort that you put into this list. We were floating ideas like in a group chat about possible top five ideas, and I threw this out as I thought the most asinine, ridiculous suggestion. <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, maybe I'll do androids. Uh,
0: <laughs> just so you know, I did every single top five list you suggested.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Should we uh, should we burn through another one right now, or do you want to do that as no, a separate I, thing and just dump it into the feed? What was the most interesting top five list out of that, from your opinion? Well, I'm worried at,
0: at the pace we're going, if we get in the top five, top five lists for aliens, <laughs> we're not going to be done before midnight.
1: Yeah, I don't have time for that. Well, what was the most interesting one in your opinion, and why didn't you do that instead of androids, <laughs> where you chose a robot as number one?
0: They were all honestly hard to do. If you want to get controversial, I'll do a, uh, I, w- I did top five sci-fi sequels.
1: Interesting. And again, Yeah, let's just run through guess... that top five real quick, and maybe we won't rebut them until the very end. Well, maybe Burns and I will each give a thought on the list in totality.
0: Okay, top five sci-fi sequels. And uh, covering stuff earlier, a lot of this might be obvious. Number five, Blade Runner 2049. Number four, Terminator 2. <laughs> Number three, Star Trek Two, The Wrath of Khan. Number two, The Empire Strikes Back. And finally, no surprise, number one, Aliens, top sci-fi sequel.
1: I mean, I think Aliens is definitely in contention at the top of the list, if I thought of that. Having not seen either of the Blade Runner movies, like, I'm happy that 2049 was that good, that uh, you would consider it as one of the top sequels in sci-fi. I think that's really cool. Uh, Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. That was the original Star Trek, correct?
0: Yeah, Yep, that's the old crew, the original crew.
1: I would say that uh, the rebooted number two, I Into Darkness. I prefer Into Darkness over Wrath of Khan. I hate, I hate that they flipped the Spock, uh, Kirk role in that. I thought that was kind of dumb. But and I just absolutely loathe Benedict and Cumberbatch as a whole. <laughs> But overall, I prefer Into Darkness to Wrath of Khan.
0: That's a bold statement, my friend.
1: <laughs> Burns, your rebuttal on this list?
2: I would probably actually put Terminator 2 in the number one spot. I think as far as what it did... I mean, and they're both James Cameron movies, so I think there, there is there is there is that whole thing. Uh, but I think Terminator 2... Terminator 2 was really, was really sort of a step up from what Terminator was. So I think that that one probably is the best sci-fi sequel.
1: Well, there you have it, Patrick. Thank you for doing all those lists that we're not going to talk about. Maybe you can, <laughs> maybe you can bring them to the Patreon party. And anyone that disagrees (laughs) with you can throw a water balloon at me. Maybe that'll be our big bonus this year.
2: Or at some point we record it, and then you just have an episode, sort of like how there's the Captain Crunch cereal, oops, all berries. It's oops, all top fives. And then then it's just, okay, I didn't have time to do a podcast this month. Mm. These are all the top fives that Pat recorded.
0: I like it. (laughs) Dom. As you know, the the wee birth has been continuing. I've been trying to get, like – 100 percent achievement on all my old wii games and surprisingly wii fit has been one of the most difficult ones to achieve so i was hula hooping the other day like you would not believe man and i had an epic left to right thrust it rivaled a, a a sunset or a rainbow or the aurora borealis but as i came back to center something went and my back hasn't been the same since do you know Anyone who could help me with this?
1: Oh, Patrick, trying to get 100% achievement on a system that doesn't track achievements is a remarkable feat of (laughs) mental fortitude and endurance. You should check out Premier Health. They have solutions for back pain, neck pain, car accident, and hula hoop injuries, and more. We suggest seeing Dr. Camille in Golden Valley, Minnesota. Learn more at PremierHealthMN.com. That's PremierHealthMN.com.
2: The only thing they can't
0: rehabilitate
2: is your dignity, Pat.
0: (laughs) That's your next sponsor, someone who can fix that problem.
1: (laughs) I'm on it. Moving on, we're going to talk about a video game next. In 2014, Creative Assembly released Alien Isolation. You play as Ripley's daughter 15 years after the events of the first Alien film, also known as Alien. You travel to a decommissioned space station to recover a flight recorder from the Nostromo and to find out what happened to Rid- Ripley. You are stalked by an alien and other threats throughout the station. This game was rated a 79 on Metacritic for the PS4. First off, what were our hopes for this game? Patrick, Aliens is your favorite franchise, your favorite franchise in all of sci fi. What were your hopes going into Alien Isolation?
0: I just have a quick comment on the score because it's, it's all over the place. IGN rated it a 5.9 out of 10 PC gamer called it, uh, it's PC game of the year for 2014. So it's quite a wide swath. And I, I do have to admit, I had low expectations going in. Um, I've played most of the alien video games. They range from probably bad to okay. And, uh, Video games based on movies tend to not be great. So so I didn't have high expectations going into this.
1: Now, Bernsey, I know that you had heard about those mixed reviews. What were your thoughts going in? Or did I just completely steal your thunder?
2: No, I, I mean, you're, you're right. And I tempered my expectations a good amount going in. I wasn't really sure. A Creative Assembly, the, the, the interesting thing about them is that they mostly do, like, strategic games. Like, the Total War series is what Creative Assembly does. And so this is a very different game from, from like, Total War.
1: <laughs> That's super interesting. And thinking about the Bloober team, whose bread and butter is in Alien game or not in Alien Games, but in Horror Games, they got to do a creative project with the medium, which in many ways fell flat, but it was a big, ambitious swing, and you got to give them a lot of credit for taking that risk. Uh, As for me, my hopes for this game were, admittedly, pretty low. I don't play many stealth or horror games. They're just not genres that I particularly enjoy. I originally tried it because I had heard some favorable reviews and because of Pat's love of the franchise, I'm like, well, maybe I can have an alien touchpoint with Patrick if I play this godforsaken game.
0: Glad to know you care, man.
1: (laughs) So how well did Creative Assembly pull off the alien vibe? Burns, we'll start with you on this one.
2: I mean I think they did a really good job of of pulling off the vibe of the first movie. Like that is definitely a high point for this game. Uh I bought into I think you get bought into trying to survive as Ripley. Uh not the cool one, but her abandoned daughter. Uh I (laughs) I, I so I think they did a good job of that as I'll talk about as we get going forward I don't think that they necessarily made an enjoyable game <laughs> and uh, uh, maybe that's uh you know maybe that's uh you know stepping on my touchdown call a little bit but that's my opinion of the game
1: and Patrick again your favorite franchise how well did creative assembly capture the vibe
0: I'm gonna say they nailed it it's a literal dream come true for me like I said I've been dreaming about this for most of my life. <laughs> I I said I like to put myself into survival scenarios, and, and I always wonder how I would match up. And this really lets you do that. It's, they nailed that alien vibe from everything down to the sounds, the computer keyboard noises. Um, for someone like me who's watched the original so many times, the, the ladders are identical. The closets that they keep the, the space suits in are identical. The padding on the walls is identical. So they, they really studied the original and, and tried to make it feel like uh, you know a space station with the exact same you know technology and things like that.
1: Yeah, and I agree with both of you. I think they really nailed that vibe. I uh, Boy, I had some struggles with this game though, and I'm glad we came back to it for the show because it is a very atmospheric game. And that kind of ties into our next point. What were the highlights here? Uh, Joey, let's start with you again with the setting.
2: Yeah, so the Sevastopol as a setting for a space station, I think was really well realized and was a lot of fun to explore, Uh, especially once things open up and you get some of the tools so that you can actually get into some of the locked doors. It's really an an interesting map to be able to continue to go back through. And then with different areas of it that have these various threats, in them whether it's the humans or the androids or the alien which we'll talk about here in a little bit uh, it, it's it's really cool how everything's kind of segmented off in these different ways uh, I also thought that the crafting system was interesting though so I honestly never knew when to use the tools uh, and I would say the So the highlight of the game for me was basically once you got the, I can't remember the name of the tool, but the wrench tool. uh, Basically from when you got that and then met Axel to the beginning of chapter five, when the alien kind of gets reintroduced, uh, were the high points of the game. Uh, Everything after that, not so much in my opinion.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We will dive into that so soon. Patrick, let's maybe go uh, back and forth on our, highlights here let's go with your next point
0: um did you guys play with headphones at all
1: no i played with surround sound but uh, i am in line with what you're about to bring up
0: okay i was i was gonna wonder if uh the 3d sound aspect i thought was great to me i played with headphones and and you can really hear the alien crawling around in the air ducts above your head uh you know just the sound of you know other maybe hostile survivors talking they're really good at uh you know, putting that based on where you're facing and letting you really maneuver and avoid an alien just based purely on the sound of footsteps and things like that. And again, we you guys have mentioned already, it's very immersive, very atmospheric, and that that just really brought me in.
1: It's interesting that you bring up the sound design because Joey and I just did a show on Game Pass Forever talking about the sound design and Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. I said the name right? Booyah? It Maybe that spoiled me, but I wasn't as blown away with the sound design in this game, having just come off of Hellblade. Joey, what are your thoughts on it?
2: So I actually didn't start using headphones until near the end of my playthrough, uh, because I just, I don't know, I, I didn't think of it, I guess, when I was playing it. And uh, I could definitely tell that there was a little bit more going on than what I could hear through the TV speakers. Uh, Though I don't necessarily know that informed what i was supposed to do much at all and so i think that was maybe that was that was maybe the aspect of it that wasn't as clear to me sure i could hear the alien up above but oh what the hell can i do about it nothing it's going to pop up wherever it wants to and kill me anyway so <laughs> what's the what's the point
1: <laughs> just run everywhere get it over with oh one of the highlights for me was the first time you actually see the alien uh, it pops out of event and, like, you're hiding under a desk and it's really cinematic and it's just cool. I mean, the alien just walks in the wrong direction and that kind of shatters the immersion of this, like, apex predator being aboard the ship. But seeing it pop out of the vent, vent was certainly impressive.
0: It's a, a tough balance, I'm sure. Because, um, you know, in alien lore, it's the most deadly creature in the universe. But the the player also has to have a chance. So, uh, you know, I noticed that as well. There are plenty of times where I'm just on the other side of the desk and it kind of doesn't notice me, which is very unalien-like. And mm-hmm. I agree with you on that aspect, but I also understand why they had to make it that way. Otherwise you'd just be, you know, getting speared over and over.
2: <laughs> yeah. Even more than you already were. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but the, the I going back to the alien AI, um, that aspect, maybe that was great when it looked kind of incompetent. The uh, the roaming aspect, I was really impressed by. Um, I watched a couple of video videos about it after I beat it, discussing the AI and it. The alien learns as much as uh, modern day AI can learn. If you escape it so many times in a vent or in a locker, it will start inspecting those. I don't know if you guys ever got to that part. But, I can... Yeah, one of my favorite, sorry, go ahead.
1: I'm comfortable speaking for burns on this. No, we did not get to that part.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One of my favorite tactics was to travel through the air ducts and, and eventually, you know, they started out pretty safe. Eventually they they were just death traps and I had to, I had to find something new you had to start using your tools more because it, it really seemed like it learned, you know, to, to hunt you down in an air duct.
1: That is super interesting. And that might've changed my opinion if I had gotten to that point. My experience with the alien is that he was just designed to be a constant pain in the ass. Let's, uh, let's jump ahead to a negative for this game. Chapter 5 is conceptually a really cool thing. In Chapter 5, you are being manipulated to go into this uh hospital ward of this space station. And you have to find a passcode, and you have to find a key card, and like... Once you get the passcode, you go into like the second phase of this mission, and then the alien is actively stalking you in this area, and like you have to wait for it to walk in the other direction so you can go up to the door that needs the passcode, and then you enter in the passcode, and then you got to go do this other thing, and like as soon as you open up that door, like that alien is just walking down that hallway, and like there was nothing you could do to outsmart it. You couldn't outweigh it. I tried hiding in a locker, and it just like walked right up to the locker, ripped through me it's like oh all right great play this couple minute sequence over and over again so i wish i would have gotten to a point where it felt like the alien was actually stalking you and like the game was fair and like adapting to you my experience with the alien was that it was just designed to be a pain in the <laughs> all through that mission like even once you do all the stuff and, like, you're technically safe. Like, it's in the vents. You can hear it above you. So, like, if you try to run to complete the mission, like, it'll just pop down and kill you. It's, like, it's not hunting me at that point. It's just a constant nuisance that keeps me from achieving things as quickly as possible.
0: I'm with you there. I would say that was one of the the harder levels in the entire game, in my opinion. I I died there as much as I died anywhere else. It sounds like I experienced the same things uh, that you did. And my my biggest problem there um, is it really just pulls you out of the immersion. I think you probably got to where I was, where it's like, okay, you go on the computer, that triggers the alarm that the the quarantine has been breached. You walk up the stairs, that triggers when the alien drops down. And once everything's known and you're not afraid of the unknown anymore, it it quits being, you know, a thriller, a suspense thriller, and just starts getting frustrating so they almost needed an aspect where they just kind of dumbed down the alien as you died. I think that would have been, would have, would have helped a lot of people playing the, through this game.
2: Well, and I think ultimately, I think the biggest problem with that chapter is that the, the save opportunity that you have for that is so early before any of that happens. And, There's no like midpoint to any of it. And there's so much that you have to do to get through all of that. And it really just, you play the same thing over and over and over again, just to get to the part five minutes later, 10 minutes later where you screwed up and it's infuriating.
1: (laughs) A quick rebuttal there. There is a save point right after that stupid board where you find the rooms that you have to visit. But the alien is right on your head at that point. And so, like, I didn't find it until I had all the time in the world to uh, explore that level. Because for me, the worst part of the entire game was that it glitched at the end of Mission 5. I could not turn in the quest because I walked in the wrong door. So there's, basically, you have to get the passcode, you have to get the keycard, and then you have to return to the guy who's making you do all this stuff. And, like, I got the, I got the passcode. And then, eventually, I got, after... 40 or so attempts i got the key card i'm like all right all i have to do is get back to that start guy and there's like a shorter path to get to it if you just go to the right or to the uh i can't remember it's north or west but like if i turned right and gone out i could have unlocked a door got back to the entryway turned in the quest and that's the way you're supposed to do it but there's a big alien in the way so i'm like all right i'll just (laughs) go the other way i backtracked all the way through the mission and i came in through the other door and that glitches the game so like I could not turn in that quest. <laughs> wow. And of course I did that, and then like there's a save point just like by that dude. And so like I save and oh good uh... news, my glitched file is saved, overriding previous saves, so I am stuck there forever. Forever. The only possible option, replay that mission. And you know how many times I'm gonna replay that mission again in my entire life? If I lived a hundred consecutive lives, one after another after another after another, <laughs> I would never play this f- mission ever again. This game is dead to me.
0: If you want, you can uh, you can play it on my game where I have completed <laughs> all the missions. <laughs> and So every aspect of the game is available. No, thank you. <laughs> I would have liked... Do you guys ever play Amnesia, The Dark Descent?
1: No, I, uh, I worked at GameStop when it came out and I remember it being all the rage and I own both a physical copy and a digital copy, but I've never actually fired it up.
0: I played that one and then years later I watched a discussion about how it was made and uh, spoiler alert, but the developers talk about how there are really no threats in the entire game. It's all in your head. <laughs> so it looks like things are chasing you. It sounds like things are chasing you. They can't really ever get you. <laughs> so I would have, I wouldn't <laughs> have mind something like that in Alien: Isolation, where like if you die five times before reaching the next save point. Um, that mode kind of turns on with the alien where you don't even know you know you hear it up in the vents but it just doesn't drop down this time and i you know people i imagine won't even notice and think finally i made it
1: yeah i don't know there's got to be a solution though because like i played mission five literally for hours and like when i finally got to the end i'm <sighs> like oh thank god it's over and except it wasn't the mission that was over it was my time with alien isolation that sucks
0: yeah it was... it's too bad because <laughs> That, that point and the other point in the, uh, like, the big open area with the uh, the other human survivors, which I know frustrated you as well. I think those were the, those are the two most frustrating points in the game, and they're both pretty early, and I completely understand why they, they annoyed the hell out of you.
2: So the one with the humans, though, like, it, it was really just I needed to find what choke point I wanted to go to to try to get them all, right? Uh, after I, like, the, the problem that I struggled with with the humans was... Uh, I wanted to try to find a way to talk to them first, but then I realized after a couple failed attempts, there's no way to talk to them. And so then it was like, I just need to find a choke point. And where am I going to put this choke point? And then just
0: swack them to death. Right? So you gunned them down. <laughs>
2: I mean, I hit him with my wrench. You beat You kill. The you kill one of them, and the gun's sitting right next to him. But you can't grab the gun; it's just laying on the ground. But I'm an engineer; I can't touch this gun that's just laying here. And so I just had to thwack him as much as I could until wow. I killed them all.
1: Let's uh, let's set this up a little bit more. This is a scene early in the game. It's maybe the third chapter or so, and you get an important tool in this room. And like the critical path forces you into this room, and this is actually where I bounced off the game the first time and basically said, after this game, I'm never going back to it for the first time before saying it for real, this last playthrough. (laughs) But you have to go up into this room. All right. So you walk into this room and there's a person in there and like instantly upon seeing you, which is instantly as soon as you open the door and she just starts shooting at you. And, uh, What you can do is you can run away at that point. And if you run away, she'll go talk to her friends. And then you, like, have to pick a path through. You have to go up and find a uh, rewiring tool to turn off the air purification, which makes it a little cloudy in there. And suddenly they can't see you in the fog. And then they'll walk right by you. And then you can move on to progress the story. Like, that's not explained anywhere. Like, none of those systems are. You get a brief moment with the rewiring system before going into that room. But, like, I had to watch a video walkthrough, and, like, Mm. Patrick, if you hadn't told me about that, like, I would have bounced off this game again at this point. Like, Bernzie, I cannot believe you had the wherewithal to, like, find a choke point and get the achievement for killing enough humans.
2: So, so yeah. So, basically, what I did was, at first, I thought, okay, I pull them all out of the room, get them into that little part with the vents, and try to like get out behind them, but they're too clogged up. You could take two of them down with the tool and then get shot by one of the other ones. And so then it was literally just, and and what I did was I went through the entire room, scavenged whatever I could, went back and saved, then came back so that I didn't have to do that every single time. And then it was, it only took like two or three more times, but basically I went and grabbed the tool, went directly up the stairs away from where they came in. One of the, 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 the gal, walks up the stairs right there run up to her hit her three times she's dead back (laughs) off people will start just keep shooting over to there so you just wait in the dark hallway until another one comes up he'll eventually turn his back and look like down in the other area you go thwack him three times then work your way across the way the guy's just going to be focused across like where you were trying to shoot over there jump out at him quick hit him three times at that point i had max med kit so i was just like okay you know stab myself with it and by that point there was what one or two guys left and then it was just waiting until they wandered over uh hide by hide along the stairs once he got over there hit him three times and then he's dead and then that's that's it
1: (laughs) so would you say that was a fun encounter i mean it doesn't sound any less tedious than what i had to do to sneak through the room
2: um, I, I actually thought, I actually did think that that was fun because it was trying to figure out the puzzle of it. Uh, the problem with, that, with Chapter 5, with the alien, was that there, there's no puzzle to solve because no matter what you do, it's going to do something different anyway. Like at first when I approached it, I was like, oh, okay, I can lock the doors in the center area and maybe I could lock the stupid thing in there. But then I couldn't figure out how to attract it into there. So then eventually I was like, okay, I just need to use the tunnels underneath to get to the rooms that I need to get to. Uh, and that worked, you know, 55% of the time. 45% of the time it would catch me in the hallways and kill me. Um, but then you get over to the quarters area and it's like, okay, I can maybe breathe a little bit. I get a chance to grab one thing and look at the wall to see where I have to go next, which is the actual like checkpoint. And then, oh, it's pretty much right on me. I hide an event or I hide in a locker, wait there for five freaking minutes for the stupid thing to walk away, take a step down the corridor. <laughs> And then hide behind whatever I can find until it walks right back over. And it's just like, I have no time to do anything. I have no opportunity to save my progress. I die. I have to go back through these painstaking seven minutes to get back to this point. And so it went from me actually thinking this was a great game in the chapters leading up to this. really enjoying how it played and like the stealth aspects mixed with sort of the combat and the scavenging things and exploring like i was really down to that um and then you know you first see the alien you're like oh this is some tension this is cool this is really awesome and then you have to redo that thing over and over. It's just like, okay, I have to wait 30 seconds for it to drop out of the top and walk over the other way so that I can try to get into this first door that I need to get into. And so the tension morphed to annoyance, which then became ambivalence eventually. Cause it's just like, I'm just waiting until it's out of the way so I can get to the next spot. What am I going to do? Look at Twitter for five minutes. All right. Now it's finally not paying attention to me. Walk away. Um, and, and then it just turned into outright rage when I finally get through all the things and it's like, I need to get over to this other area to find the dude's body to get what I need to get. And it's just like, oh, it just popped up here. I'm dead. F- this game. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's just one of those things where you sit there and I think it does a good job of building tension. It does a really good job of of, of, of like getting you sort of interested and, and freaking you out. Uh, but eventually, that just, like, wears on a person as you go through it for three, four, whatever hours that it was going through that one mission. And, and so at that point, it's just like, I can't put myself through this anymore. It's not worth it. <laughs> Which is unfortunate because it's the rest of the game is probably a lot more of like the other things that I enjoyed about the game. I tried using some of the tools. Most of the time it seemed like it did jack squat to the alien and so that it was just like, okay, I'm scavenging all this stuff. I have all this stuff built up. It doesn't do anything. Ow. No point in playing the game anymore at that point.
1: Well, I I was scrolling through your achievements before we came here. You did manage to kill an android. That's something I didn't do. One uh, one moment that I enjoyed was uh, there's a mission where you have to run all across this little complex of rooms and there's androids chasing you. Like I walk into this one room and there's an Android that looks like it's smashed to death on the floor. It's like, Oh, all right. Well, I'll see if there's, you know, some glue in here so I can make another med kit. And like, I walk by this Android on the floor and it grabs my leg and I'm so stunned that I failed the quick time event and it killed me. I'm like, Oh, well, I think I'm done with this for the night.
2: (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's, that's one of them I killed. I did kill another one, uh, that had grabbed me and I was able to hit it twice get away, use a Meg kick, come back and hit it again. Um, but yeah, those things, those things are tough. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, uh, I basically took my nemesis approach. Like I just let them bite me once and then I ran away. <laughs>
2: and that's one of the strategies. It was basically like one of them just is always at this choke point. So you aggro it away from there, loop around and then get by them. And, and then at the end, it really just became trying to run past them as, as fast as possible to get to where you needed to get to. Um, and that works with the androids. It doesn't work with the alien.
1: <laughs> Patrick, would you say that sprinting past androids as quickly as you could fulfilled your fantasy of being an alien encounter? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it wasn't nearly as exciting. I did like the nice kind of breakup of, uh, you know, avoiding the alien to, uh, you know, kind of battling or avoiding the androids, to safe points, to, uh, you know, worrying about other human survivors. Because uh, kind of like Joey sort of mentioned, you can't just keep that, that adrenaline rush, you know, survival attitude going nonstop or it wears off. Mm-hmm. You have to break it up. And I even intentionally played that way. I, I wouldn't play for more than two hours because I, I didn't want to kill the mood for that reason
1: so interesting one of my favorite aspects of the game and what i thought were one of the highlights were the low-key exploration moments like when there's no direct threat and you're uh poking through the space station i i know i'm going to mispronounce it i call it Sevastopol, pool uh, but you're going through the station you're looking at the computer files to see what went wrong you're looking for blueprints for weapons you're looking for all the different stuff hidden around the environment i really like those low-key moments i'm like they wouldn't be nearly as good without the high tension moments. But it was nice when you had that breather and you could just like wander around and look at stuff and try to figure out what went wrong in this desolate space station.
0: <laughs> I like those too. It was it was just really nice to feel safe in a way that I don't think other games that I've played have achieved.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean my like I, I agree with you, Tom, on that. And and it's really to the point where the game I want is one where the xenomorph isn't there and I can just do the rest of the stuff because I think the androids and the humans were enough to deal with, but yeah, once it got to the part where you just it was just, yeah, too hard to too hard to navigate around.
1: One thing I thought was kind of funny, the first time the alien got me was the most ridiculous situation so it was maybe mission 3 for. Like, you're running from all the androids. Like, you have to get through this big complex of rooms. Then you go back through the room where you had the original frustrating encounter with the humans. And the alien kills them all. Like, it's that That's great. That's what you guys get for making this so difficult to progress. And then, like, I got to the save point after that. I'm like, whoo, all right, saved, good times. I'm going to sprint back up there. Alien killed everyone. So I'm going to, like, loot all the rooms and stuff and find all the stuff that I had to miss before because I was worried about my life. So, like, I start sprinting. Alien was, of course, in the vents right above me. (laughs) (laughs) So if I just walked, I would have been fine. But no, I sprinted. And so it just like popped down and it got me. And it's like, oh, alien got me the first time.
2: Well, so and that mission was that that mission was interesting. That part was interesting because I was first freaked out when I saw people. I was like, are they going to shoot me again? And then they're they're, like, all of a sudden they're standing there. Then they start cowering. I was like, okay, what am I that scary? Like, I'm just a person. I'm not, I don't even, I mean, I don't have my gun out. I just got my wrench out, you know? And so then I just start walking around and I go down, like up this loop, seeing if I can go in a door and I couldn't unlock it yet. So work my way back down the other stairwell. And all of a sudden I see one of the other humans just get eviscerated by the alien. I'm like, where did that come from? (laughs) <laughs> but the first time I died was actually when you get into the tram the first time. Um, and like the music is up and everything and you, and you're just kind of like, Oh, okay, what's happening. And so the tram door, you're waiting for the tram door to open. And, and Amanda Ripley's just sort of like, come on, jeez, hurry up, hurry up, you know? Uh, and, and so finally the door opens and you go in and, uh, I look and I see oh okay hit the button to go in oh do 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 I'm gonna look around and see if there's anything to scavenge here turn around (laughs) it just runs at me and kills me it's like oh okay I guess there's an alien coming at me I
0: died there too
1: (laughs) I did not I guess that was another highlight of the game for me like oftentimes when you're hitting that button for the tram like something's chasing you and there's real tension to get to the next area to get away from the threat so like every time you're running for a tram in that game like i sprint in there i hit the button right away like Uh i never died in that case but it's super interesting to me that you could and that like i my fear instinct of just pounding on that button as many times as i could as quickly as i could paid off
0: I like those two, and and the save points are kind of similar. I like that the, it lets you kind of swivel your head side to side for the, the five seconds while you're waiting for it to save. And and I got nabbed a couple of times doing that. You know, I saw it coming while I had my key card in the save point. It's like, ah,
1: Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I never had that experience. Maybe that was a little bit later in the game than Mission 5, where the game glitched out and ruined itself for all
0: time. You guys didn't get, like, the flamethrower? No, when nope. I
1: texted, when do you get the flamethrower? I was actually joking. I had no idea that it was in the game.
0: It is. <laughs>
1: Burnsy, you like the crafting. Patrick, you beat the game. Like, what are some of the most enjoyable weapons in this experience or most enjoyable tools?
0: Uh, I'm mixed on the flamethrower. It, it, again, almost takes the fear away. You can give the alien a good spray with flame and it doesn't kill it, but it will, uh, it will then turn around and usually run and hide back up into a vent. And it kind of changes your entire attitude. You're just like, okay, I can, I can give him a a spray of this. He's going to flee for 20 seconds and I'll just sprint as fast as possible Mm -hmm. to the next objective. And it's good for completing things. Maybe you guys would have liked that aspect of it, but I did not enjoy it all that it, it, it really eliminated the fear of the game as long as you had flamethrower fuel.
2: But, I mean, in Aliens, like, that's how you took care of them. I mean, like, Ripley killed how many aliens with the flamethrower?
0: It is. I mean, it's it's realistic. That's and they, they mention it many times in Alien lore that it's about the only thing that the, the alien is afraid of. But uh, I, I really enjoyed the fear atmosphere. And any time that was gone, I think I liked the game less.
1: So I think I just had an epiphany. Is my favorite comic book character Venom just a ripoff of Aliens? Like he's an entity from outer space. Only vulnerability is fire. Like is that just a happy coincidence or um, is it derivative? Patrick, you're the <laughs> alien expert. I'm looking at you.
0: Uh, he's unique enough. He's a symbiote. You know, he'll he'll he talks to you, right? Or sort of communicates with you. Yeah, he yeah. talks to
1: the host. He doesn't talk to right. me, but you
0: know. I think he's unique enough that I don't call him a rip-off. Imagine an alien with a venom symbiote. Oh my God, it's unstoppable. <laughs> and,
2: and and really, Tom, it's, it's a different genre, so it can't be, it
1: can't be a rip-off. All right. Well, thank you guys for validating me. One other thing that I really, really enjoyed in this game that I thought I was not going to, that I thought was just a dumb little gimmick thing at first. I loved the motion detector. Like, the only gripe I had with it on the Xbox controller, like holding down right bumper is a major pain to do for a long time. And I wanted to have that thing up literally all the time. I love that tool in this game. Patrick, you're a huge fan of the franchise. What was it like having that tool at your disposal?
0: Yeah, I'm with you, man. It was uh, it was a lot of fun for me, you know, kind of uh, swapping back and forth from that to your weapon, you know, waiting for, for a moment when the, the alien was not near you and kind of running to the next table or locker um or you know interacting with some computer or something it was really fun and I, I don't know if this happened to you guys it it also can't apparently hear it if it's pretty close okay. That's so what i was, was gonna say
2: it can hear it right
0: yeah if, like if you're in a locker and he's pretty he's not far away from that locker and you turn on that tracker he comes right to you and, and opens it up and caves your skull in
1: well there we go. That's uh that was how I met my second death from the alien. I'm like I was so annoyed because it was after I put in the passcode in that stupid sequence. I went into the first room, I knew the alien was coming, so I hid in the locker, I had the motion detector up so I could like track it coming. It like walks right up to me, I'm like, Oh, I guess I can't hide from it in this sequence. And I texted you guys, Alien got me for the second time. Then like fifteen minutes later I texted you guys, that number has gone up exponentially. <laughs>
0: One of my favorite parts, too, it's, it's, I don't remember what level it is, but it's past where uh, you guys were. You get to explore the derelict alien ship from the first Alien movie where they find the eggs and the, the skeleton of the, I guess, the space jockey is what they call him. But it, it's kind of a flashback about how this this other spaceship crew brought the infestation to Sevastopol Station. And they ended up stumbling upon that ship. So you kind of have a... You get to walk your way through that flashback. And again, it's probably just a fanboy moment. But it's really cool for me to be able to kind of walk around and explore that.
1: That sounds that sounds cool. Like, I'm glad you got to have that experience. It wouldn't have done as much for me not being as much of a fan of the franchise. But, sure. you know, that is a cool thing. And, I mean, again, jumping way ahead, like, this game is a must-play for fans of Alien. Like, if you have any affinity for the franchise and can tolerate stealth gameplay like you need to play this i'm gonna call out another friend here scott bullard i think you'd be really into this game you should totally check this out but i was jumping yeah i mean yeah
2: i think i think yeah i think it's a 10 out of 10 from that perspective uh if you don't have an affinity for aliens at all like the franchise i would probably recommend just skipping it (laughs) there's far better stealth games out there uh that actually like Will allow you, will reward you for your time, as opposed to what I felt was just wasting my time. After a while, in this game, unfortunately,
1: yeah, there were a lot of there were a lot of high highs in this game. Like the atmosphere, as an atmosphere game, I can't think of any off the top of my head that are really better. It's an awesome experience from that, but boy, I uh, I hated this game. Like I, I I enjoyed those high highs, but like. The frustration of that one room and then having a glitch out on me. like I would have kept playing. Yeah. Mission number five was brutal, but I was going to try to push as far as I could for the show. And then like I literally couldn't play it anymore. It's like, oh, all right. I hate you, alien isolation.
0: <laughs> it's a shame because I'm not even going to disagree with you. Those two missions we, we discussed where I died at least a dozen times in each of those and finally just went online and found out how to go through them and in the rest of the game that never happened i never had to 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 google you know to find my way through there and it's a shame that they're both so early in the game because there are 19 total missions and uh i think a lot of it are the, the highs that, that you guys have mentioned and there are a lot fewer lows after you get past those two points
1: that's unfortunate and like for me thinking about this game it came out in 2014 like this is not an unknown bug that I ran into. Like, this game crippling save issue, they have to fix it. You have to fix it. Like, you're going to put this game on Game Pass? Like, you have to fix game-breaking bugs.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I know you're very forgiving of games being released with bugs and just letting the company work through them at a future date, but you're right. They shouldn't have it this this far after it's been released.
1: Seven years. You've had seven years to fix your game. You're still collecting revenue from Xbox for it. Like... For me, that is just unforgivable. You're right, Patrick. I do have... I give companies a lot of leeway. Like, I'm still into cyberpunk. Like, I still want to see what that game eventually becomes. I'm just going to wait a little bit longer to buy it. Joey, I think you're in a similar boat to me. Do you have any thoughts on Creative Assembly not fixing this game-breaking issue?
2: Well yeah, I mean if if you're going to keep pushing the game out there, it would be good to be able to fix some of those things and and like you said, I would highly doubt you're the only person to ever do that one thing. If you if you were, I would be incredibly surprised. I don't know. And I hate dumping on games. Like I I am the type of person that really like gives games the benefit of the doubt more often than not, and I get angry at games. Like it happens a lot. I'll scream at my TV quite a bit. Uh, But like this is legitimately I think the first game I have ever like just rage quit and like to the point where it's like there is no way I will play it again Um, because I was so mad at it. And just because I was just so like worn out from just being so anxious through that whole phase to then like just like just trying to get through it but not being able to. Yeah, I, 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 it doesn't happen like it hasn't happened ever before to this point. And I've, I've made it through such trash as *The Quiet Man*
1: for crying out loud. So, <laughs> but that was only a three-hour experience. You spent three hours on one mission. Uh, Pat- yeah, that's true. Patrick, any closing thoughts on *Alien: Isolation* before we move on?
0: <laughs> well, like you said, based on the time, I came up with a another quick top five list. These are my top five five ways to play *Alien: Isolation* correctly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One of them is have a time limit. I, I can see where Joey's coming from. If you just bash your head against a wall for four hours, I can see where the frustration is coming from. And I, I truly did. I limited myself to two hours per play period be, because I wanted to keep the, uh, uh, the emotions and you know, in, in a good spot and not change that to frustration. Uh, we talked about the sound. Play with headphones or at least a good sound system. Uh, play alone if you can. Play in the dark. If you can, um, maybe I only a four. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's still pretty good, Patrick. You would have loved my setup in my basement, like my Tom OIO man cave. Like, was just perfect for playing this game. It's just unfortunate that the game wouldn't let me keep playing.
0: Yeah, that's a bummer. And uh, get get past level five for for any of our listeners. It uh, it's all uphill from there.
1: If the game lets you get past level five.
0: (laughs) Some people are just mentally defeated by the xenomorph before they even begin. And that's a shame for everyone else. I think you'll really love alien isolation.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe we're going to move on to our next segment on aliens. Another glorious day in the core. Last year, after several years of silence following an initial reveal, Gale Force 9's actually released Aliens! Another Glorious Day in the Core. A quick description of the game. Maybe not so quick. Aliens! Another Glorious Day in the Core is a cooperative survival board game in which you and your team of specialist colonial mar- marines will gear up with serious firepower and head into Headley's Hope to find survivors and answers. But you're not alone. To survive, you'll need to work together keep your cool, and stay frosty to fight off relentless xenomorph ambushes and get out of there alive. Players can play up to six different missions, taking them into different areas from the Hadley's Hope terraforming facility to the deep, dark recesses of a xenomorph nest. Aliens also offers an exciting campaign mode to play four of the missions linked together, so players will need to fight relentless xenomorph attacks and keep each other alive all the way to the end of the campaign. The remaining two missions are purely about survival, it's kill or be killed. The players are dropped into the game with nothing more than a pistol. They need to scavenge weapons and gear while hordes of xenomorph aliens are trying to get at them. How long can you survive against the odds? So this game is for one to six players. It's designed by Andrew Hott and released by Gale Force 9 Games. It has a 7.7 rating on board game game. We uh, got together to play this game, as well as Nemesis to prepare for the show, and just some quick notes from our playthrough. We were tasked with finding Newt and escorting her to safety. There were a few different areas with face-down chips across the board, and one of those face-down chips was Newt, the rest were all aliens. You either had to move to get into the line of sight of the chips to flip them and see what was underneath, or spend one of your two actions on your turn interacting with a computer in a far section of the map. Now, Pat stumbled across Newt immediately and chased her directly into the jaws of an alien. And we were one bad die roll away from losing on turn two. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Patrick. Uh, We got lucky and we were able to rescue Newt and win the adventure largely thanks to me roasting 12 out of 12 aliens encountered with my flamethrower. Uh, No matter how many players you have for the game, you always play with six Marines we with three players each controlled one of the marines and then there were also three grunts which are less powerful versions of the main characters all three of our grunts perished and would not have been available if we were playing the campaign so basically we lost i forget which characters we lost but those three out of the pool of marines is just gone if you're playing the campaign
0: it was uh, drake dietrich and who was the third one x x
1: rest in peace you three so let's uh, start with the same question we asked with the other with Alien Isolation. How well does this game capture the aliens' vibe? Pat, you're our expert. We'll start with you.
0: Uh, pretty well, I think. It's uh, it's really just a skirmish mode kind of game where you cut through hordes of aliens. Uh, the characters are all very faithful. The weapons are all directly from the movies. Um, of course, they try to they try to gamify it to make it balanced. I would say the only thing that doesn't hold up real well is the the aliens are probably a bit weaker in the board game than than in the actual movies. But again, that's that's really a requirement for the game to be playable.
1: Now, Joey, what were your thoughts on how this game captured the alien vibe?
2: Yeah, so I had I uh, coming into this game, I had only watched like the first I don't know thirty forty minutes of Aliens. And so this actually kind of took place. Like I had basically just gotten through the part where they had saved Newt, and so then we played the mission that was based on that. And so I thought it did a pretty good job of capturing like what they were all like at that point in the movie, which I thought was which was which was pretty fun to for me to experience it that way. Uh, and so yeah, it's it seemed a lot like that. Now, granted, I hadn't stumbled across the. Uh, xenomorphs yet in the movie at that point but we definitely got our fair share of them in the board game
1: yeah we did and i agree the scenario we played was ripped right out of the second movie and it fit very well thematically the one thing that i had a little bit of trouble with was having played the firefly adventure game previously designed by the same designer andrew hot at gale force 9 games it kind of broke the immersion for me because there are a lot of similarities between the way the games kind of work. so i thought it did a good job of capturing the alien's vibe but I just it, I wasn't completely immersed because of that other experience.
0: He was using a lot of the same mechanics.
1: Yeah, I mean there's a time mechanic in Firefly that I love that wasn't in this but it just they have a very similar feel like with the modular boards and the chips and the way the enemies move. It just it felt very familiar to me. <laughs>
0: blips is the correct terminology. Oh, oh blips. <laughs> My For people listening at home, they, they represent the motion tracker blips, and uh, you don't know. There's a number on the other side that you don't know how many it is. It's one through five, and once you get within line of sight of a blip, you flip it over, and that's how many aliens it represents. So it's uh, it's another way that it kind of mimics the movies. You know they're coming. You're not exactly sure how many. And uh, you know, once they hit, it's kind of just run and gun, and you're losing people along the way, which which is very uh, thematic, in my opinion.
1: With how much you love the motion tracker, Patrick, did you like this representation of it in the game?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I often thought before this came out how I would do it, and you know, I don't know if there's a better way to do it. It's it's kind of a difficult IP to work with, in my opinion. Xenomorphs, as much as I love them. In a board game setting, it's it's really just a uh, kind of generic horde melee monster that, that I guess isn't represented as well as uh, as in the movies that you that you mow through.
1: You know what you need? What mechanic this game needs? It needs a. Uh, it needs to be asymmetrical. You need a player to be that Xenomorph and to outsmart everyone and to massacre them. The game that springs to mind is uh, Burns. You own this game. It's the, based on Friday the Thirteenth, but it's not a licensed Friday the Thirteenth game. We played it. You're at the oh, summer camp. Yeah, and you played the, as...
2: the last. The last Friday or something like that. It's called. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and you played basically as Jason, and the rest of us were trying to gather parts to escape. I think that would have had. A more alien or more interesting feel for the xenomorphs than just the kind of faceless hordes that we were mowing down. Yeah, well, that how that other down. how that
2: other game works is yeah, one person basically has the same thing as a DM screen, and it's hidden movement. So you, as the player that's playing, in that case the killer, know where he is, and then the people that are playing only know where that person is when they're like attacked or something happens. Uh, once they stumble onto one of the areas where you have your your character, and so yeah, I could see that being a, another way to do it, and maybe that would capture more of the alien vibe as opposed to the aliens vibe.
1: Yeah, good point. I guess I kind of took us down a side path there. Coming back to our playthrough, what characters did we choose, and how did we equip them? I'll start this one off. For me, it was Hudson, because I vaguely remember that he was the wisecracking one, which just kind of, you know, suits my charming personality, and flamethrower, because flamethrowers are cool, and I will always take a flamethrower if I have a chance to wield a flamethrower.
0: And it paid off. Hell it yeah, fits. it
1: did. 12 out of 12. Patrick, you chose Gorman. Why did you choose who you labeled as an inept officer?
0: <laughs> well, you guys both kind of went, you know, fighter style, so... I picked a little bit more of a support role. Gorman can, in a pinch, give uh, other players additional actions. Um, and instead of body armor, I took, uh, I forget the name of the equipment card, but it lets wounded characters stand back up, say it dragged off of the alien hive, which uh, it, it came in real handy once. And it was uh, mostly just for balance.
1: Oh there's nothing more fun than taking a character to balance the experience for the players and the NPCs. <laughs> nice work, I don't, Patrick.
0: I don't remember if I made an attack with Gorman the entire game. Oh, but... That
1: must've been super duper fun for you because I remember the 12 aliens that I toasted. Like I kept a part of each one of their like corpses and I made a necklace out of them that I shall forever. Yeah. Wear just so
0: <laughs> for people listening at home, you have essentially stacks of one to five aliens, and most weapons just shoot one at a time, really any of the guns. But the, uh, the flamethrower will attack everyone in a stack in an area of effect, so you can get multiple stacks. And Tom, Tom killed 12 out of 12. He was, he was, so he was essential in clearing the way for the rest of us to escape.
1: I had some pretty hot dice. Joey, who did you choose? Yeah, I chose Apone,
2: uh, mostly because I liked the sergeant from the little, you saw, uh, the little I Saw of Him in the movie at that point. Granted, he died about 10 minutes into me starting to watch the rest of it, and so you know maybe he wasn't as important to the movie as I was hoping he was going to be. Uh, but I also liked the fact that uh, the command mechanic in the game was interesting, so I figured having him with the higher command value would be beneficial.
1: Yeah, I didn't think about the command value at all. I just like picked a name and said "flamethrower," please. That yeah, works.
2: That I mean, that, that's different approaches to to how people play games. You know, some 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 people, you know, just flamethrower. Yes.
1: Yeah, flamethrower, rocket launcher, pretty much anything that goes boom or causes as much like mayhem as possible. Very Tom friendly. <laughs> I think I can speak for all of us and say we all enjoyed this game. Let's talk about Mm -hmm. some of the highlights of the game. For me, toasting every alien I saw with a flamethrower. Like, oh, man, I had a big ego after that game. That was freaking awesome. Um, Patrick, what were some of the things that stood out for you?
0: Um, I uh, I like the six players, or you have six marines every mission, uh, no matter how many players you have. I really like that because it allows characters to die, which to me is kind of essential for an aliens game, but there's no player elimination. Uh, so you, we lost we lost half of our six, but we're still technically victorious, which I think is just just fitting for the theme. Um, if you die, you know, one of your characters dies, then you just switch to a grunt, which didn't happen in our game, but uh, you know that lets you keep playing as well. And I like the, uh, you mentioned it in the campaign, uh, just to, to go on that further, if you lose three Marines in the campaign, you know, the next mission, they're just gone. And, uh, or if they get carried off to the egg chamber, you can launch a, a a side mission to rescue them before they're impregnated. So, you know, how you play each mission really carries on to the next one. And you can, you can lose your entire squad if you're not good enough.
1: And you played the campaign independent of us with our friend Jake, who is also a huge Alien fan. Uh, what were your guys' overall impressions of the campaign mode of this game? Playing one scenario, very fun. Does it work across multiple missions? Like, what are your thoughts?
0: We thought it did. Uh, we The first attempt, we wiped our squad, I think, on the third mission which uh counts as a loss you have to start over uh which we did we had learned enough by the the second time we played through the campaign i think we only lost it it wasn't even close to half our squad so we learned quite a bit you know i don't know how many more times i could play through it i kind of feel like i've not quite mastered it but you know i know so much that uh you know i'm not going to make the mistakes that really really cost you a mission yeah go ahead
1: You weren't on our Bloodborne show, but you did play the Bloodborne game with us, which has kind of a similar thing. Like, you're playing multiple missions back to back to back. Do either of these games stand out to you as something that would have more replay value going back to it again and again?
0: It's hard to say. Like, how long, how many missions are there in Bloodborne?
1: I believe there are four in the base game, and there's also like a dozen expansions out, which each add two to three missions to it.
2: And each of those four missions have, like, three chapters. So we played the first and second chapter of one of those missions.
0: I, I mean, I would say it seemed like you once you start learning the secrets, I think they lose replayability myself. Um, is there just, like, a solo quest mode or solo game mode where you just play a one-off in Bloodborne, or is it only campaign?
1: I cannot recall
0: because <laughs> aliens in addition to the campaign aliens has about half a dozen just uh single missions which they they weren't from the films they kind of just made those up and i've only done one of those so that's uh, that's more areas that we could dive into as well
1: interesting bernsey we'll turn to you here any interest in playing the campaign mode or are you just a one and done on a one-off mission
2: I, I would definitely be interested in playing the campaign mode. I I think that would be cool to see how the group kind of develops as you go through a campaign, and so you really lean on maybe one character. That character's dead, and so now somebody else has to be the hero, right? And so I think that could be interesting to sort of see how that you know narrative through our campaign would would play out. Um, and I'm also I'd also be intrigued to see how some of the non marines actually play i mean we played as what five marines and then gorman who's still a lieutenant we didn't really play with like bishop or uh or uh, ripley burke. or burke i mean it would have been interesting to see what some of them would have brought to the table uh that's different from the the other the more like marine types of characters
0: and there are a few things um, that get added into the campaign that you guys didn't experience. There are uh, They call them experience cards. They're kind of just more character abilities like you guys had on your base characters. But you can also kind of alter your guys or customize them based on what you think your squad needs at the time. So if you find you're, uh, you're burning through the endurance deck, which is a, an important mechanic in the game, you know, attacking uses endurance and if you ever run out of the, the whole deck you lose and you have to kind of rest to recycle those so you can you know, if you find that's constantly a problem you can pick experience cards that help mitigate that um you can ex- give ones that help you move faster so you can you can really kind of customize what you want your marine to do
1: that sounds like a very cool mechanic did it uh, play as well as it sounds
0: yeah, it did. I would say the the only downside is it 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 almost got to be too many in the campaign mode. You get one after each mission, and by the end, I think you have seven abilities. Which you know, we were constantly like, "Oh man, I for, you know, I forgot this one." Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. That's a challenge, um, Burns. What stood out in this game to you? I mean, I so I think I
2: really liked the whole because we each had our three turns and you kind of like, we got to choose who went when, right? Like our, how did that, how did that, how did the initiative work again? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. It was the command
0: worked. mechanic. Whoever had the highest command picked which actual player started the turn. Gotcha. Yeah.
2: And so, and so I think that was interesting. And then like who was going to have the grunts do whatever they needed to do when also. And so I think, that led to some interesting parts of the game and, and like creating interesting stories so like Dietrich a character that really does Jack squat in the movie ends up ended up killing like seven xenomorphs with a flamethrower at like a key point in the game and then <laughs> like gets knocked down and dies the next like <laughs> the next like second <laughs> but it was it was it was funny how she went down in a blaze of glory
1: I'd like to interject that burning seven xenomorphs is good. Burning 12 out of 12 is better.
2: <laughs> fair, fair enough. I mean, she was a grunt, so, I mean, of course, it's not going to have the same output as a as a real, real hero.
1: Yeah, it was game over for those aliens, man. <laughs> uh, another thing that stood out to me, there's a mechanic in this game. After the third turn in the first scenario, and maybe it's different for the other missions, but after the third turn in the first scenario... You are flipping, uh, what are they called? Alien cards? Motion tracker Mo- cards. Motion tracker cards, which represents more aliens entering into the fray. And you draw one for each player character. So we were drawing three, which draws one, two, five additional xenomorphs onto the game or onto the board. And I thought that was an interesting way. And those, man, those aliens were just relentless. Like I cannot imagine playing with six players. That would be, oh, that'd be a nightmare.
0: Yeah, I think we had a pretty nice balance where it kept it um, kind of difficult but not impossible. I played about a dozen games, and that aspect can be very swingy. The most I've played with with four is with four players, and you can get cards that drop um, ten blips in one card. And with four players, we had a game once where we got two of those like back to back. So suddenly, suddenly twenty blips appear that each represent one to five xenomorphs, and we got we were in a hallway where they were they were three squares deep, on each end of the hallway, and we just we we lasted as long as we could, and that's the one where we we got our entire team wiped. <laughs> and I can see those being really swingy, which uh, you know might be a turnoff, especially if that's your first game. You just get swarmed and you feel like there's no way to beat it. But uh, I also like, you know, what you said. It, it's, it's nice when you have the right balance of uh, Xenomorphs coming at you where it's it's just the right difficulty. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've got a couple flaws. I would say, overall, it's a good game, not great. Uh, one of the things I did not like, uh, which we kind of mentioned, was the uh, the event cards are also somewhat random. They Many of them have three different symbols, with three different effects. And when you play the card, you f- just flip a random card in the uh, endurance deck, and that tells you which effect happens, which you is really impossible to plan for.
1: Yeah, that randomness is really hard. Like, I had an event card that you said was pretty good. It's, I, it's not their finest hour, but uh, I don't know. It, you thought it was a pretty good card, and it's like, all right, I picked a good time to use it. I right, play my event card, we flip it over, oh, well, that doesn't help us at all. Nuts. Worthless. Yeah, I
0: I don't know why they went with that. (laughs) It seems really odd because there'll be completely different effects. Like, I think it was Squad of Ultimate bad. Yeah,
1: that was it.
0: Yeah, I think the effect we wanted was it, I think, increased the aim of every Marine, which just makes it easier to hit Xenomorphs. And I don't remember what we got instead, but you you had been saving it for a few turns for a situation just like that, and the randomness made it worthless.
1: Yeah, randomness is hard. Like randomness does not make good game design. That's something my friend Scott is fond of saying, and that's you know that's a challenge with board games. Like with video games, you can program things to be a little bit more balanced, a little more consistent. It's uh, I don't know, Joey. Do you have any thoughts on it?
2: I mean, it's it's uh, the the dice are always. Uh, can always be very punishing, right? And so, so that's, that's, that's one of the things I found in our next game, Nemesis, for sure. But uh, it, 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 it's, it's one of those things that's also really hard to balance out if you build mechanics, I think, with a lot of randomness in it, uh, because then there's lots of complex rules you have to put on there to try to mitigate a die roll, which makes it even harder to remember and harder to handle. Uh, one of the things I would have liked to have seen more of, and maybe it unlocks with different missions, but I would have liked to have seen a wider variety of weapons and abilities in the game. Like, especially the weapons, it's we had, like, the three or four of the to choose between and not a whole lot of variation uh, between them. And I think it would have been nice to have seen just other weird things that we could have pulled out uh, in there.
1: I disagree. I think we should have all just had flamethrowers. <laughs> just burn them all, dude.
0: <laughs> the game half covers that. the uh, The experience cards certainly let you get new abilities. The weapons pretty much stay the same. They're they're pretty faithful to uh, to your standard weapons from the movie, which is it's, it is pretty limiting. You do get you can get the APC, the armored car, in in future missions. Uh, you can take the power loader up against the queen in future oh, missions sweet. but otherwise it's, it's just a flamethrower and you know machine gun pistol and that's it
1: one of the things i thought was kind of annoying in the game was that newt was less afraid of the aliens than she was of the marines maybe if we had been thinking we would have brought ripley along with us but like i don't know like pat founder is like hey come with me so i can save your life and she's just like nope i'm gonna run down this dark scary corridor
0: it's one of those where they they make the rule to uh i guess add a little bit of challenge where you know she kind of mimics what she does in the movie and flees but uh you know in in reality it's just gamey and it either makes ridiculous situations like that or you know it's coming and you position yourselves in such a way that it uh i don't know kind of makes it feel gamey and breaks the immersion
2: well, right. And and that was the weird thing, too, because then, yeah, she ended up just what didn't she end up like just standing in a corner like next to the, the Xenomorph for a turn yep. until we got somebody down the hall to scare her back down the hall, um, which it's like you would think that they would work something into there to make her. Oh, she'd run away from that. Probably more likely than she would. Or I guess maybe she was just cowering in fear and screaming at it until we dealt with it. I mean, you could maybe look at it that way, too. I don't know
1: yeah yeah it's a hard one to figure out
0: luckily she (laughs) successfully fought off the xenomorph for a turn yes
1: with with her bare hands
0: which is a big a bit of a negative they're they're like i mentioned pretty weak you can you can kill a xenomorph in hand-to-hand combat in this game which is entirely for game balance but uh kind of kind of chaps my hide as a fan
2: (laughs) (laughs) you can house rule it pat you can house rule anything sure
1: I will only play what's printed in the rule book. <laughs> what else would we like to see from this game? Pat, I think you already told us about some of the other scenarios. I'd like to see personally how the difficulty scales with different player counts. Like I'd be very interested to play solo and to play with six players just to see what those how those experiences differed from each other. Joey, what else would you like to see from the game?
2: Yeah, I think I think really for me it would just be how having non-combat characters or people that weren't known for combat in the series, how they actually like interact more with the uh, with like the gameplay. So like, what 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 is it that Burke can actually do, uh, or does it make you just be a heal like he is in the, in the movie <laughs> and basically just try to get everybody killed? Is that what you have to do as Burke? I don't know, but I, I think it'd be interesting to see what 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 playing as those uh, would add to it or having a mix of those people in with just like the super shooty Marines, uh, how that would, how that would play out.
1: And Patrick, what else would you like to see from your favorite franchise manifest as a board game?
0: I don't think they can go a lot of places. You can't apply this kind of, you know, Marine slug fest where you're just slaughtering aliens to the, to any of the other movies at all. The only thing I, I would maybe like to see is uh, kind of a what if scenario of the colonists and maybe the initial alien outbreak on on the space colony. Um, I think that would just require maybe a few new characters. Um, I think that would be kind of cool where, where the aliens just sort of uh, start, you know, infect a few people, maybe start as eggs, keep spreading and keep coming, and you just have to see if you can survive or survive as long as possible, something like that.
1: Sure. Well, moving on to our overall thoughts and takeaways, I personally would be very interested in attempting the campaign, and I'm also curious, like, playing it once was fun. Replaying the scenarios, how much enjoyment would I get from playing it, again, Patrick, you alluded to it, maybe not being the best experience to repeat.
0: Yeah, personally I think it's it's great for, for a couple of playthroughs through the campaign. You know, once is kind of a learning one, you're probably gonna die. It is it is a hard game. Like like I mentioned, we lost three of our Marines. Um, by the second time through, I felt like I was very good at the game and wasn't gonna lose. But uh, you know, I, I would also like to play with new groups, so if we want to get a, a six player game with our core group, I, I think that'd be a lot of fun as well hectic it would be hectic (laughs) yeah
2: uh from my perspective i was worried that it was just going to be like a cash grab licensed game just because i don't know i'm jaded from how a lot of those video games that are movie themed uh kind of operate uh but i was i was actually surprised with with just how, how well the game worked and how much fun i had playing it i would definitely be interested in playing the campaign too just to see sort of see how things evolve and and take a look at that. Uh, the, the, I think the thing that's really good about the game, though, is that it also is pretty accessible, I think. It, it, the, the rules aren't super complicated. Yes. If anybody's played, just has a general idea of how board games work, they'd be able to play it, and it's it's fully cooperative, so you're able to get help from other people. I'm not sure what to do, what would be the best thing to do, or like what we are doing, trying to come up with a strategy. Okay, what's going to be the best thing for or me to do, who should go first? How are we gonna, you know, who's gonna manage the grunts? What are they gonna do? I, I just think I think it's really good with playing with people that maybe haven't played a lot of board games to ease them into how board games would work. And since it's attached to an IP that maybe they would recognize like Alien, uh, they would be more interested or, or more receptive to playing that than something like Gloomhaven, which is, its own IP its own sort of its own sort of universe. And that could be a way for them to get into these dungeon crawly types of games.
1: Yeah. I guess my counterpoint would be if somebody is a fan of the alien franchise and they haven't started playing board games yet. Like, are they really, are they really going to join us or has that ship sailed?
2: (laughs) I mean, there's people out there. I mean, there's lots of people out there that maybe haven't played a lot of board games, uh, that, uh, you know like alien
1: yeah yeah maybe maybe <laughs> this is the show where tom just dismisses all of his friends <laughs> uh, moving on to our final segment we are going to break down nemesis in 2018 awakened realms released nemesis a loving ode to the alien franchise Nemesis is a semi-cooperative game in which you and your crewmates must survive on a ship infested with hostile organisms, not called aliens, I think they're called intruders. To win the game, you have to complete one of two objectives that are dealt to you at the start of the game and then get back to Earth or another destination in one piece. You will find many obstacles on your way, there are swarms of intruders, there's the poor physical condition of the ship, your fellow players have separate agendas, and sometimes you just deal with cruel fate. The gameplay of Nemesis is designed to be full of climactic moments, which, hopefully, you will find rewarding even when your best laid plans are ruined and your character meets a terrible fate. The game board is made up of a series of locations that are start out face down on the board. When you wake in a room, you flip the tile to see <laughs> what the room is and what obstacle it provides. Whether it's a locked door, whether the room is on fire, or if there's an intruder inside the room. Then you roll to see how much noise you made. Each corridor leading out of a room, and sometimes vents in each room, have numbers, and whatever number you roll gets a noise token. If you need to place a noise token and there is already one there, you are drawing an invader from the bag. There are three different colors for the rooms. Each color has a corresponding item deck. You can find weapons, items, and healing materials throughout the ship. The game accommodates one, two, five players. It was designed by Adam Kwapinski. It has an 8.4 rating on Board Game Geek. It is rated the 23rd best board game on Board Game Geek. 23rd wow. best and ranked 8th for thematic games. Uh, in our playthrough, just giving a couple of quick notes, Joey and I explored one wing of the ship together while Pat ran off in the opposite direction. Uh, At uh,
2: noise machine de geese.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was about efficiency. Yeah, and screaming down the hallways, literally.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's wanking in every room. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he found the room of goo.
2: <laughs> he did find the room of goo slime room.
1: <laughs> I learned that the medic could not fight intruders. That made me play a very different style than I'm usually comfortable with. Uh, we wound up exploring every location on the board. I had a chance to win on the very last turn by duct-taping the escape pod together, but I drew the attention of an intruder, and I got killed when the ship jumped to warp speed. So, spoiler alert, we all lost, although I had a very narrow chance to win going into the end. So, starting off with Nemesis, what character were you, and what was your goal? Joey, we'll start with you on this one.
2: Yeah, I was a scientist, and uh, I didn't learn... That the scientists couldn't couldn't kill intruders in combat, <laughs> uh, as I as I basically took shot after shot after shot after shot at them, and I think killed one, uh, maybe maybe a second one, but didn't kill the ones I needed to. Uh, my goal was to either destroy the nest and get to Earth, or to make the ship go to Mars. If I knew we couldn't destroy the nest, so that was I had kind of like a double pronged uh, goal.
1: I'm guessing you were trying to get us to Mars.
2: Well, so, yeah, so because the nest like never came up, and so it was, it was, it. I was, if it would have popped up, I would have been okay. Maybe my gun will work against the stupid
0: eggs. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Here's hoping, Patrick. Who who was your avatar in this game?
0: Uh, I was the mechanic, who also wasn't really a fighter. Luckily, I didn't. I just made the noise and left you guys to uh, to deal with it. <laughs> Much. <laughs> and my objective was just to research two uh, intruder related things so uh, a corpse egg or well I have two corpses human corpse intruder corpse or intruder egg and then uh, survive
1: and for me I was the mighty medic I needed to research an intruder weakness and send a signal and also survive what were your strategies and how did it play out and Joey we'll start with you again
2: so my main strategy was to get to the generator room so that I could unlock one of my two class-specific abilities. So each class has a specific, it has two abilities, and you have to satisfy an objective in order to get them. I think, at least for the scientists, one of them was to get to a room, and then the other one was to get a specific, uh, a specific resource.
1: Yeah, it was similar for the medic. I needed to get to the laboratory, which was one of the last rooms we found. And I also needed a specific resource. And I only got one item, I think, the entire game.
2: Yeah, I, I think the resource I needed was, uh, it was like, I chemicals. It, wasn't, it was chemicals. Yeah, I was going to say poison, but yeah, it was chemicals. And I had no idea how to find any of those. But yeah, the generator room was one of the first rooms we found. So I was like, hey, great. I'm going to just go to the generator room, get my thing, see how cool it is. And then go from there. Uh, Unfortunately, the intruders popped up in the generator room, like basically first, and it took forever to try to get them away from there or try to kill them until I could get in there and unlock my, uh, unlock my card, which actually was a pretty good benefit for us. It was the hollow. I have the picture up here. Let me look at it here the Holo computer, And that basically allowed me, with two of my action cards, uh, I was able to basically use any computer on the ship, no matter where I was at. So each, there's like a series of rooms that have a computer in them that allow you to do the ability for that room. I basically, with two of the action cards that I have, out of the, what is it, it's 10, right? That each character has. Yeah. Um, I would be able to, with those special abilities, be able to then proc whatever ability was in the different rooms, which could be pretty powerful in a pinch.
1: And just a real quick note, each character gets a deck of 10 cards that you use for the entire game. There are six cards that are generic and every character gets them. And then there are four that are unique to your character. Like I had one that allowed me to dress a serious wound. I had one that allowed me to heal a serious wound. I had one that let me draw additional cards. And I forget what my fourth unique ability was, but it gave each one of the different uh characters a unique bag of tricks to work with
2: yeah and the scientists a lot of those were around like accessing computers so if i was using a computer in run room i could use the computer from a different room in order to do that ability uh and so yeah, yeah it, it, each one was kind of going in that different area i believe a lot of yours pat were to fix rooms
0: yeah a lot of mine i could fix things cheaply. Um... I was the only character who could travel through the, uh, the air ducts, or the, I guess, tactical corridors, which is very nice. Because you can essentially warp almost anywhere on the map. And yet you still ran through the whole <laughs> ship
2: anyway.
1: <laughs> Thanks for creating all that noise. That didn't create any challenges for us in the end of the game at all.
2: Not at all.
0: Well, my, my quest was to uh, research two things. So I grabbed, there's a corpse in the beginning room i grabbed that immediately and just started looking for the lab as quickly as possible unfortunately the lab turned up to be the very last room on the ship that we explored so by then you know we were up against the clock i had left noise everywhere (laughs) so most other rooms weren't safe and then uh well we all died so
1: yeah and a funny thing about that corpse you dealt two objective cards at the start of the game i'm like i think i'm gonna do this one i have to take the corpse and get to a specific room. I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty manageable. Like, you start in the room with the corpse. What could possibly go wrong? I'm going second out of three players. Like, as long as Pat does pick up that corpse, I'm fine. And then Pat goes first and goes, yoink, I take this corpse. (laughs) (laughs) Like, so just theoretically, Patrick, are you ever going to put that down? Like... (laughs) (laughs) And it turns out, no, you weren't going to.
0: No, I wasted the entire game carrying that corpse around.
1: Um... We couldn't find the rooms that I needed. I needed the laboratory, and, uh, like, I couldn't get anything going, especially early in this game. I couldn't get any items. I kept having to fight the aliens, and, like, I just couldn't repel them. I seriously contemplated just blowing up the engines so that nobody could win because I did not see myself being competitive in this game. (laughs) And I think what kept me from it was eventually the intruders, like, wandered down that hallway towards the engines. I'm like, fine, I'll just run this other way, and hopefully the lab's up here. It wasn't, but... It kept me from sabotaging the game for you guys. Thanks.
2: But, yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. But your character definitely had the ability to have staying power. I mean, you took how many wounds that you were able to erase?
1: At least six. Normally, three serious wounds would kill you. And I was. I think you get. You can take three light wounds and then it becomes a serious wound.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: At least once I had two serious wounds and two light wounds. And so, like, I was down to my last leg and. Fortunately, out of a 10-card deck, I had two that would allow me to heal, so with just a little bit of luck, I was able to keep myself upright. I think I healed burns at least one serious wound, maybe yep. more. So I I did a lot of healing in this game. Like, I spent a lot of time standing in hazardous spots just because I could.
2: Yeah, and, and it paid off. I mean, you were the only one that was alive at the end of the game.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, we mentioned that none of us were combat characters. Fortunately... Three-quarters of the ship was on fire. Like, we almost lost the game because of fire numerous times. And fortunately, the stupid aliens would just stand in the fire. So, eventually, a couple of the aliens died in the fire. And with my non-blue corpse objective that Pat ruined for me right away, (laughs) my other option was to take an alien corpse and bring it to the lab and then send the signal. And so, like, I had to find one of those corpses from the fire. Like, I literally had to stand in an inferno to grab this corpse it almost killed me and then I ran out and I had to dodge aliens and fire the rest of the way to the lab while trying to slowly heal myself and it uh it achieved that cinematic moment for me or that cinematic high and it gave me a chance to win the game, but oh man, I just for a long time I just didn't feel like I was in it at all.
0: Yeah, you yep. were a you were an intruder role at the end away from winning, really.
1: Yeah, just a bad role um at the very end i either had to get to cryo sleep which was on fire so that was out or to an escape pod and i made my way to one escape pod and then it uh, got destroyed it's like oh all right well i guess there's one escape pod left i have this many cards to get there and so i ran my down there duct taped together but that duct tape just made too much noise and it drew an intruder and i died it's game over man game over
2: well, see, and you described your ending as a cinematic high. Mine was probably a cinematic low. <laughs> uh, as so, once I got my hollow computer, which was helpful a couple of times, I needed to make my way to the bridge, which was two thirds of the way across the ship.
1: And it was in all order sealed... to
2: try to change. Oh, go ahead.
1: And it was all sealed off from noise because of Patrick just running, screaming through the corridors.
2: <laughs> yes, and so going through those areas had high chances of pulling intruders out at us now luckily uh the tom's character came along a good chunk of the way with me we had we got split up at one point because i think the lab at that point got revealed and you had to beeline over towards it
1: it was actually the signal room i got close enough to the signal room to think that i had a realistic chance at winning so i ran over and hit that button and then i ran for the inferno where the alien body was
2: Gotcha. And so, so basically I'm on one chunk of the ship all by myself, surrounded by intruders of different types. I ended up getting infected multiple times, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, inseminated, inseminated by a little thing. So I knew that I had, that I was <laughs> infected. Uh, so I got to the point where I kept trying to shoot this thing over and over and over again in the bridge.
1: Oh, you can finish this thought, and then I want to talk okay. about the infection cards.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. So I I, I kept trying to shoot this this uh, alien, uh, or sorry sorry intruder uh, on the bridge, and I just so many shots. I took I think seven shots at that guy because I had like all of these reloads on my weapon, and yeah, I hit it once, <laughs> maybe twice, but was never able to kill it, and it was just so maddening and it was a two-thirds chance that I got hits on the die so it's like it should not have been that bad and so basically it got to the point where I'd taken enough wounds and I was about to I mean I was about to be infected and and, you know the thing would explode up my chest or something like that and so I went to the surgical room in order to try to cure myself of it was able to successfully cure myself of infection and then bled out (laughs) the table
1: died (laughs) very anticlimactic patrick can you remind us how the infection cards work the aliens fight you and then there's a chance that you're going to get an infected card which goes into your deck of 10 and then you need to like uh do something so you put it in a little scanner to see if you're actually infected by one of these aliens
0: yeah uh they're they're called contamination cards technically but there are a lot of Ways that you can essentially get scanned to see if you've been impregnated with a uh, intruder larva So there are there are medical rooms. There's surgery rooms. There's some uh, like medical equipment you can search for Uh, But a lot of them will let you take a look and you stick that thing into uh, Little I don't know. What would you call that? It's those little red screens (laughs) Games used to have them in the past It's this, so you can't read the card with your naked eye. Yeah, yeah, it's like a decoder, and that will tell you if you are infected or not. Which is, uh, it's kind of a fun mechanic, not knowing um, whether or not uh, you're just wounded by this thing or if you have a larva growing in you.
1: Joey had about thirty-seven of those cards at once. Joey, was that a fun mechanic?
2: I mean, I was always surprised when I wasn't infected. Uh, And then it was like, once I finally found out I was, I was like, oh, crap. (laughs) Time to deal with this. Oh, dealt with it too late, apparently. I took too many wounds already.
0: I've I've played. Sorry, go ahead.
2: No, I was just going to say, which one of the things that we ran into this game that we took a little bit of umbrage with was so the the scientist character is in a wheelchair. And he took a a heavy, (laughs) serious damage to his legs and i we still contend i don't necessarily know that that should have hampered him that much <laughs>
1: i'm not exactly on the same page with you here burns like i mean he could still be bleeding out from the
0: leg that's true i guess that's true <laughs> i think we offered to let you house rule that
2: but i think i think the the thing about it was that it, it like slowed his did it slow his movement it was something with movement and it was just like he doesn't really use his legs for movement but yeah i don't right. know well uh, it was just a weird, stupid thing that we ran into.
1: For Joey and I, this was our first time playing. Patrick, you've played it twice now? Three times? How many times?
0: Three times now. Since I played with you guys, I also played with Jake and Lance. In our, it was interesting. Our two games were mostly almost identical, but uh, also some key things. Like Lance was the mechanic and just really spent a lot of time looking for weapons. And he was... An intruder killing machine to a point that i would not have thought possible before seeing it he took out seven wow yeah and after our game and how inept we were i was warning these guys i'm like you you really just want to run you don't want to stand and fight these intruders you're gonna die he's like nah it's not my style (laughs) (laughs) and he, he took out seven intruders and uh much like Tom, he, he died on the last turn of the game trying to get into an escape pod.
1: <laughs> That's so interesting. Well, what what would we have learned from that initial playthrough that we would have done differently moving forward? I'll start this one. For me, I would have coordinated movements so much better so we would have created less noise. Like I would have yes. encouraged us to work as a team. And like The way noise works in this game, if you're moving to a room that has someone else in it, you don't make any noise. So say... I go first, I spend two cards to move silently so I don't create any noise to move into a room. And that's kind of my turn. And then if Joey, he can spend one card to move in, he doesn't make any noise, and then he can branch out from there. And like we could have leapfrogged all these different rooms and been so much more efficient with our exploration. But at least for my closest group of friends, that's just not how we work. Like we're never that cohesive a group. Like, think of the first time we played... Oh, Patrick, what's that game? You played it with... Hero check- Quest? Yes, the first time we played Hero Quest, we all just split up and opened up all the doors.
2: But there is the there was the one time when we were playing Game of Thrones and you guys had an alliance and you just ceded Casterly Rock to Pat so that uh, Highgarden could win the game.
1: If you think that the Lannisters would cede the rock <laughs> so that the flower people can ascend to greatness, you are absolutely Power mistaken. People.
2: <laughs> Every rose has its thorn, Tom
0: Yeah and i to feel the sting
1: Feel the sting of the rose? Yeah Isn't uh,
0: that what they cry as they run into battle?
1: Feel, I, I, feel I don't recall sting. Feel the sting uh, uh, <laughs> Joey, what would you have done differently? I would
2: have stopped trying to shoot and kill enemies or gotten a better weapon because that was an effort and frustration and futility. Um, I don't know. I think I also would have just tried to get more... tried to get more materials because uh, I just... It was, it, was, it was a problem because I just always felt like there was something else I should have been doing instead of searching rooms. And, and so... Because the clock is always ticking, like, down, down, down. And so you just, you're just so concerned you're never going to have enough time to do all the things you needed to do to try to win, you know? Um, and so I think that's part of it. I think, like you said, teaming up, when we started, like, moving through rooms together, it made things so much easier. Like, moving forward, I would try to have a couple of people to build an alliance with, work through, whether I backstab them or not. It depends on what my objective would be. But uh, I think trying to build some of that cooperation with other people uh, definitely helps everybody in the long run.
1: And Patrick, what about you? What would be the first thing you'd carry forward into future playthroughs?
0: You guys kind of hit on the the two I was thinking of, is not run through the ship as fast as possible and leave sound everywhere. Um, both games I noticed, especially at the end, it got into these weird scenarios where people had to get to the escape pods and those rooms were completely surrounded with noise. And it's just makes it this kind of weird gamey thing where it's like, okay, I've got to get in there in two turns. If I walk in there, 100% odds, I'm going to trigger an, uh, an intruder encounter. I don't have the weapons to fight it off. What can I do in this situation? And it, it, it makes it a little, I don't know, anticlimactic, I guess. I guess you you have to almost plan from that, for that from the start, and the uh, the second one, like you said, is is search for especially weapons more. Um, like I mentioned, I would have thought like a non combat character that's just a waste of time. But after seeing Lance, just he fi- he built the flamethrower and he found a, a shotgun just searching, and, and he just wasn't afraid of intruders the rest of the game.
1: <laughs> oh man, that would have been awesome. I had a hard time finding items in rooms. That is the downside of, like, moving with somebody because I think Burns usually moved into the room first. He got the items, and then I draw an intruder. Like, we spent so much time (laughs) trying to get away from those intruders, especially early in the game. I found one item that would refill my, like, syringe needle gun, and I found uh, the duct tape, and those were the only items I had the entire game.
2: Well, and then you also found the energy weapon recharge
0: thing, which you couldn't use.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah, so I had three items Swell. I, I found could've... a
0: bunch of medical gear, which was useful. It healed all my wounds, but uh, I never... I don't think I got a better weapon.
1: Yeah, I might have fought more fires, or I might fight more f- fires in the future, because we were right on the cusp of losing most of the game, even if that was our most like, useful tool against the invaders. Just let that was to interesting, too. In,
0: in my game with the bacon Lance, we had one fire token appear the entire game, and put it out the next turn oh wow
1: yeah that would have been different i mean i could have won if i could have gotten to cryo sleep if i could have put that freaking fire out
2: <laughs> <Right>.
1: <laughs> interesting well what do we think about the replayability of this game i struggle with it i i love playing nemesis and i definitely want to play it again but there is a lot of randomness in this game and i think that would eventually irk me like you can't really set up a strategy from the start because you don't know where any of the rooms are you don't even know what all rooms are involved in the ship which is a certain kind of cool aesthetic to it you don't always know what's coming but i'm very much a planner and like i like to have an idea where i'm going what i'm trying to do and like you know if i flip over my room on the first tile, great but that's kind of anticlimactic but i also don't want to find the lab on the very last turn again or the very last tile that we flip over i I don't know how we find that happy medium.
2: I mean, I think it adds, I mean, it definitely adds to the replayability that you just don't always know where everything is. Uh, so that is definitely a benefit, but like you said, it it makes it difficult to plan, but that's where I think like just the cooperation aspect of it comes in. And I don't know like what the rule book really says about table talk to what extent, but if you talk to the people it's like okay i really need to find the lab and somebody else is like i need to too it's like okay let's go find the lab together and it's like you guys head in one direction other people head in another direction i mean if you have six players you have two groups of three or three groups of two or two groups of three and you can basically try to like circumnavigate the ship um as groups that way you know and then if you need to turn your back on the other people you can find a way to do that uh, down the line too so I think that's that's part of what would help to mitigate I guess that and you're maybe planning with other people uh, even though if you don't know necessarily where you could go um...
1: the problem is I wouldn't trust anybody like I assume Patrick was trying to kill us in this game because he went full Tom mode and he was just running room to room creating all this noise touching all the buttons it's like oh so this is what it's like playing with a Tom <laughs> in- <laughs> interesting
0: just looking for the lab, man. Just looking for the lab.
2: And I also think I think the expansions, from what Pat was saying about them a little bit, would add different flavors to the game, too, and would help spice things up and make it a little bit different experience uh, to play uh, multiple times down the line. It might still have some of those same problems that you're talking about, Tom, where you it's harder to plan for things. Although the one game mode I think you're talking about, Pat, where you're like the cleanup crew that comes in after the other crew went through,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, so that one would be one where the board's set up, you kind of know how it is laid out, so then maybe you could come up with a plan as to how best to clean stuff up after our first group <laughs> failed miserably or whatever it would be. <laughs> yeah.
1: I wouldn't say failed miserably. I'd say I died heroically on the cusp of saving humanity.
0: And yeah, the scientists failed miserably. <laughs> I think it uh, would only, almost only get better with experience. It seems like there are so many ways to do things, um, it, specifically manipulate rooms from across the board or really get, kill other people. I'd love to see a five-player game where one or two people were, were trying to kill somebody because you, can, you you can sabotage the engines, you can kind of let the fire get out of control, you can use noise as almost a weapon. Um, you can uh, can, can you pass? Can you pass? <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. I, I accidentally used it as a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> but I think as you gain experience, you can really start to intentionally use it as a weapon as well. You know, <laughs> th- there are rooms that let you lock doors from across the board. So uh, just things like that I think would be really interesting
1: yeah well we'll have to play it more to find out i guess overall thoughts and takeaways uh, patrick we'll start with you since you own this game
0: a lot of stuff we said if there's a downside it, it can be punishingly random uh, specifically things like flipping over tiles you know that could just really kill you that happened actually in both games, uh, someone needed the last tile flipped in both games. And you're just so far behind the clock at that point. Um, anything with dice burns burns felt that sting, you know, just yeah. missing, missing over and over and over. Uh, the way the intruders move is random. I think that got, that kind of botched you guys up a couple of times where you'd, you'd escape them and then random movement. They just uh, jump right back into the room that you guys are in. And you know, you're, you're trying to escape and heal or maybe escape and find a new weapon. And no, nope, they, they just pop in there and you guys take another wound and you're infected. And now you're even in a worse position than you were the turn before that. So uh, that part I don't like. But uh, kind of the, the so many options to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish, I enjoy. The, uh, the asymmetric characters I really enjoy. It's, uh, it's clear that this was influenced by Alien, which uh, you know that's going to be a big plus for me as well. So, uh, overall, I, I really like the game, but uh, I, I can see where it, it's certainly possible to leave a bad taste in someone's mouth.
1: Bernsey, what about you?
2: Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, it, it definitely had a lot more of those, like, hardcore board gamey things to it that maybe Another Day in the Core didn't have. And, and so that was a lot of fun. I, I really like games where people... Like one of the, one of the ideas that I have, or, or thoughts that I have, that I'd really like to see more people explore in game design, is games where people have different objectives but still have to cooperate to some extent. So, like if 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 you, trip path your own thing too much, you're probably going to cause everything to fail. So you have to somehow work together with everybody else, but in the end, you still need to make sure you get your goal. Uh, so I really like that in this game, and I'd like to see how that plays out with more people, different groups uh, in different experiences. Uh, So I think I I really like that aspect of the game and would like to explore that with some of the expansions and see what those add.
0: Yeah, you mentioned table talk earlier. There's no no mention of that whatsoever in the rules, but I think it should be highly encouraged. I think that would make it a lot more fun for for what you just kind of mentioned is uh, sort of teaming up. You know, you can say, hey, because most objectives need to uh, to end up back at Earth, so you can just say, hey, you know, someone needs to go to the bridge and make sure we're going to Earth. Someone needs to find the comm station. You know, two people need to stick together. You know, make sure the uh, the the airlocks are open. Things like that. And it uh, y- you can probably play more efficiently in the early game. And I think that also really sets up some uh, timely betrayals in the end game. <laughs>
1: that would be super interesting. I thought the game was super fun, although I am certainly lower on it than the general public. The 23rd highest rated game on Board Game Geek. Like, ever. Ever. I might have 20 games in my own collection that I like a little bit more than Nemesis. Uh, I would also worry about some of our like closest friends going into the deep thing. With all the randomness, I think it's impossible to plan too much into the future, so I worry about playing a full five-player game with... Uh, casey i'm looking specifically at you on this one but i just worry about that deep thinking a game where so much is out of your control due to the randomness
0: yeah i bet with five people it's probably five plus hour game
1: is this a game that we want to spend five plus hours with
0: i'd certainly love to play a five player game of this at least once <laughs>
1: yeah well all right it's on casey I mean, we'll it... give you a chance
2: Yeah, if
0: it was between, like,
2: a five-hour game of this and another five-hour game of Arkham Horror, I'd choose a five-hour game of this. Um,
1: That's because you did not have the skills and the tools to slay the Yeti, my friend.
2: (laughs) Whatever, Turkish Trish.
1: Yeah, you guys gave me crap for hours (laughs) about it, but I was the one who had it when it counted at the end. We would not have won that game without me. Come at me, bro.
0: I... I have no retort. <laughs> all your turns spent at the university paid off.
1: <laughs> That's right. They did never doubt in Tom and Turkish Trish. It's the power of the T's alliteration for the win, baby. Ah, well, good show guys. Anything else you want to talk about with alien before we sign off? You so want me it, to go? I was just going <laughs> to
2: say, it, it, it's, it's been fun to experience all these different aspects and take takes on this series. Uh, and it's it's interesting to see what different people's perspectives on it have done to the series as you go through like these two different board game adaptations of it, the video game adaptation of it, and the the couple of different movies that I watched, and how kind of different those are too. I, I just it's been really fun exploring it in in this way, and uh, like I said, I'm definitely interested in watching. The rest of the movies just to sort of see where everything's kind of going or how things have developed and where where they might go into the future.
1: Yeah, I think Aliens is neat. Patrick?
0: <laughs> Man, what to add to that? I would just... Uh, you know, the movies we covered, everyone could and should probably watch them. It's not a huge time uh, sink to watch a couple of movies. Alien Isolation? Just know what you're into, man. If you're an an Alien fan, it's well worth it. If you like stealth games, it's probably worth it. You know, if if neither of those two are your bread and butter, then uh, you can probably find a better video game to play.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Aliens are neat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, next month we are moving on from Aliens to a high fantasy setting. We're doing a show on Dragon's Dogma. We are going to play the 2012 video game and then watch the recent anime and break down both. Thank you so much for listening to Outside is Overrated. Please review us on your favorite podcast platform and consider supporting our show on Patreon at patreon.com OIO. For Joey at HobbyBoxBurns and Patrick at Rogue underscore Hippo, I'm Tom Sidlogic at Tom Sidlogic OIO. We'll talk to you next month. Stay inside, kids. To onslaught what the f*** is this on the show notes <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll delete that sorry that was a typo <laughs> uh. <laughs> thank you for writing in big bull letters don't read out loud it's like <laughs> <laughs> oh my god this show is going to be great <laughs> uh, real quick antidote that I'm probably going to have to cut out of the show but uh the first time I watched Alien, like it's uh, it's a, uh, it's like a psychological horror movie, right? And so, like, you know, you go to bed after that, and like your brain's still kind of working, and like, things started happening with Phoenix. And I was still living with my brother at the time, so we're in the br- basement of my brother's house, and we had watched Alien. Things started happening, and then all of a sudden, the f- cat jumps on my back. That was, <laughs> 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 uh, I screamed. <laughs> yeah. and it's lucky that I didn't jump through the <laughs> roof.